Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Get your ass out of the street protest. The devil doesn't 
I don't like you devil. Y'all be doing that evil shit. I don't like these wines. Nope. Nope. Melanated is the only thing that I like. I like it. Filthy parasite, parasite. I'll spoil your life and they murder every night. Fuck. I don't like these wine. No, I don't, nigga. I do not serve these crackers, so I says what I like. Niggas know I'm right, know I'm right, know I'm right. Power to the people, by the fuck you do the worst. Did you see Fergie Fur? What the fuck did you think was going to happen to that funky ass crap? Get your ass out of the feet and put your hands down, nigga, protesting this same damn chapter. Once again, you ain't shit in the eyes of the monster that low down, dirty ass crap. But you forget about the shit in just a little bit. Go back to serving your master. Gotta get that crop. Nigga, gotta get that crop. Boy. Another nigga just got shot, boy. Dirty cop put some lead inside a little boy. Fucking all that shit. Fuck these crackers, wear them hot boys. I don't like these wines. Like these wines. Nope. Melanated is the only thing that I like. I like filthy parasites. Dirty devil out for your life, and they murder every night. I don't like these wines. Nope. 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 I do not serve these crackers, so I said what I like. What I niggas like. know I'm right. You know I'm right, niggas. Power to the people, but the fuck you to the worst. Predatory. They crawled their ass up off the cage. Anti-life. They've been devilish since they first was made. Cannibals and faggots. Drinking blood like Kool-Aid. High line. These devils climbed up out the grave. Somebody's falling for the shit that they put on TV just to create distraction, dog. A lot of shit that she is off stage and it ain't really nothing that's popping off. You'd be surprised at the lies, but I know one thing that I don't need to figure out. That's the fact that they hate the fucking and if they could, they would take us all out. But I got two vampires they need to survive because we got that melanin so glow. Hit up all our shit, put body in the mix, and you'd be like, where did all the niggas go? Everywhere they went, always want to run shit, ain't got respect for shit. Genocide take a lot of eugenics all the time, these crackers do evil shit. I don't like these wines, no I don't. Melanated is the only race that I like. I like it. Filthy parasite, parasite. I'll spoil your life and they murder every night, bitch. I don't like these wines, no I don't, no I don't. I do not serve these crackers, so I says what I like. Niggas know I'm right, know I'm right. Power to the people, but the fuck you to the white. You might not like me saying it, but you know a nigga's right. Power to the people, but I fuck you to the white. Fuck you. You basically know in my ideology, basically, you know, me you know, on yours, you can uh, support some of our programs. Is that what you're saying? Why not? And you believe in programs like the Breakfast Children Program and Free Just Things? Right on, brother? We believe they're good things. Uh-huh. As a focal point to organize their mothers and fathers. Uh-huh. 
I bet that they was war prone. Keep on peace in your wardrobe and know the world's a war zone. I, I can't shake it loose. It's the hate that hate produce. I'm here to break the loose and fight the devil. Ain't no truth. Raise it another level. Shame the devil. Say the truth. And look a minute I when the enemy facing you. I can't shake it loose. It's the hate that hate produce. I'm here to break the loose and fight the devil. Ain't no truth. Raise it another level. Shame the devil. Say the truth. And look a minute I when the enemy facing you. Black power, black power, be before ODA, my aunt, who's 
What it do out there tonight, family, what it do. It's your brother Bourne coming in with the family, FOG, Refugee, Feet on the Ground Radio with the Slaughterhouse Saturday, who's still betraying the African Revolution. You know it's always themed after that Dr. John Henry Clark, and we always make sure we put in a good piece of Dr. Amos Wilson. We normally going in on those things as it's holding us down and holding us back. You know, one of the things that I, uh, we're going to definitely we're gonna put in something tonight, though, by uh, Baba Amos Wilson, because one thing that I think, you know, he, he touched on something about how we hope hold our own selves back. And, um, you know, we need to make sure that we always checking ourselves, you know, to make sure that we're not being complicit and making sure that we stay slaves to this system and up under the thumb of this beast. But uh, with that being said, though, you know, it's a Saturday. Um, shit was kind of nice out, out here today. You know what I mean? I missed out on a couple of things, you know. I was doing this, this, that, and the third. Around, uh, lost some stuff today, though. I really need to find it because it kept me locked in the house today. But um, besides that, though, I'm, I'm doing good, feeling good. Um, what's going on out there, family? Black Power. Black Power, BB48 family, death to this racist cracker be society. Black power, black power. What is doing? What is doing? What's going on out there tonight, Sister Camille? How are you tonight? I'm black tastic king, you know, um, consistent the circumstances. That's one of the beautiful things about being African. Despite it all, we can still find positivity, you know. Um, we can still find some semblance of, um, well, I don't want to say, uh, Happiness, but you know we 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 can uh, find means of laughter um, in the face of pain, and mm-hmm. that's one of the beautiful things about being African, because that's a uh, that's a form of strength, whether we realize that or not. It yeah. really is. You know that no matter how far we go down, we still know we still the shit. Okay, <laughs> now seriously. And <laughs> what? No matter how hard you got to push us down, we know we still in. We still that day. Mm-hmm. And that's not good, feel good history. I just want to throw that out there. That's nah, reality. That's not feel good history. <laughs> not just understanding of who we are. Now it's okay. about activation. It's always about activation. But regardless of who or what, you still got to understand it first before you put it into action. So we understand who we are. We just got to get active with it. We know we the shit. We know it, you know what I'm saying? But knowing is half the battle, like they say, goddamn G.I. Joe. Knowing is half the battle. The other half is that action. Um, King, I was thinking about to say, when when your um your lecture thing go down? Yo, that's November the 20th. Yeah, keep that, you know, we got to refresh yeah. Keep that November on the mind. November 20th, I'm going to be in Waterbury. I'm going to be in Waterbury with Supernova Slime. I'm gonna pull everything up before we before we get off. Before we get off, I'll make sure I'll make sure I get off. And that's an example of uh, putting it into action, putting that philosophy of knowing you the shit into action, along with the other thing you're doing with feeding the babies, and then the school you got, you know, the um dojo thing happening, all that. And I got to tell you, the picture of the elder surrounded by the young lioness warrior queens, breathtaking. 
That's how it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's the grand professor right there. Oh, I love that photo, King. Yeah. That touched me. Mm-hmm. Now, we say, you know, I, I highlighted the ladies in the class. That's what we highlight. We highlight the ladies in the class. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's what we want, sharp. That's going go, that's who's gonna be the sharpest. The women be the sharpest when you especially when you're dealing with martial arts and shit like that. Cause they technically they got it because a woman got a little less strength than a man because of her body, just how her body made, she got to be technically sound. So she gotta make sure everything she do is on point sharp. I shape. That's building for the future. You know, and dealing with the reality of uh, where we are as a people, and I just think it's beautiful. And to me, like I said, that picture really speaks a thousand words because it shows the security of the African um, warrior king, elder warrior king, you know, and it just made me think about how our men have been um, since we've been on on this planet, um, you know, uh, they have always been super strong, uh, secure in their manhood to such an extent that they had no problem with the reality or producing or helping to produce the reality of a strong uh, queen. You yeah. know? So I just think that picture just makes me think of that. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to put a whole nother thought in my head on the picture. Thank you. That was a good assessment, Sister Camille. That's powerful, brother. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you and the kings that are there and the queens, you know, because, again, it takes a a mother uh, with a certain awareness to allow her daughter to be shaped in this way, you know. So um, my love and respect to everybody that's involved in CTRBG that you have formulated and um, have helped grow. I mean, King, you, you put the seeds down and, and look what you're doing. So, um, yeah, black power to you. And my, I mean it, my undying respect, Brother Bourne, to you and the family that y'all are leading by examples and something for myself and others to um Try to emulate, you know, in your own way where you're at. You know, you show it can be done. It, it really can happen. Yeah, sure, sure, You know, we don't try to be too, you know, we modest over here. We just we just pushing it along like Africans. Hold on one second. On the radio show. Oh. Oh, man, I, I forgot all about it. Good luck, you Joe. Good luck, you Joe. No. I got you in the morning. I got one. I got one. Yeah, I got it. I got it for you. Guys, that's thorough. You should sell it. You going to sell that? I, I would. I made it to sell, but now I don't want to sell it. Nah, get out of here. <laughs> the whole point is so family, man. This is called Jesse from the CTRBG. What's going on, Jesse? What is we on the radio show, so I'm about to get on show. But that's nice, though, man. My man got the, I'm telling you, my man got the fly necklaces. I'm saying, man, he, I'm going to put him on the show, man. We're going to have him on. We're going to have him on next week, him and his queen. You know what I'm saying? We're going to get him to come on next week. But he got the fly necklaces up here. Keep us looking late. All right, Black Power, Chief. Black Power. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My man Majestic. He do be having us looking. Oh, man. 
He used not he used a lot of raw stones, like y'all, oh man. He got one on right now, a big ass necklace with a big ass giraffe head on it. The shit looks fucking ridiculous. I'm hating right now. He's got me up hating on it. <laughs> I like it so much. I told listen, don't wear that thing around me. I like it too much. It might break if it's around me. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, the family, they just came down from Bridgeport. They just went to Bridgeport. I was going to go down to Bridgeport. Some, some cats came up from Virginia. They hooked, you know, they linking up. They got this thing called RBG Fridays. They've been doing across the country, right? And, um, where on Fridays all across the country, cats be out four corners holding down a block somewhere on four corners just with the flags out, passing out literature and shit. They just be on some black power real loud out in the public like type shit. So they just kicked one up up here in Connecticut. But due to factors that happened today, I wasn't able to get down there. Um, the shit of mine got lost in transition, so I wasn't ever really able to make it. But the family still, you know what I'm saying, the family still made it down there, though, so they just coming back, you know what I'm saying. I've seen a couple pictures, you know, they doing their thing. But I, I just want to salute the family for, you know, getting out there in the world, man, and, and, and showing that love out to the rest of the world, you know what I'm saying, being secure in your African self and, and secure enough to show other black people that you love yourself. That's beautiful. Black power. Word. So. That's what we got going on. What we going to do tonight? Um, let's see right here. But of course, that you out there. Obviously, brother calls out there. Brother Tim out there. What's going on in the cut, brother Tim? I see you in the cut. Black power, be forty eight. Black power, King. Yeah, man. I'm um. I just finished watching about an hour of that uh that uh, Birth of a Nation. I'm almost done watching it. <laughs> oh man! Ah, uh, Black Power, of course. Yeah, Black Power, physical media. Good to be out on Saturday. Ah, uh, no doubt, yo. It's Saturday. I woke up this morning. They was yelling all over the news. You know, I'll be looking at, you know what I'm saying, I check my news, little news, motherfucking um, update. And they said the FBI said, God damn it, we sending Hillary Clinton to jail. We don't hear this shit. <laughs> Somebody said, we sending that bitch to jail. We going to open this shit back up. <laughs> Anthony Weiner. <laughs> Weiner got secret messages on his goddamn machine, his email machine. Yo, listen, this shit is a deep web right here that these motherfucking uh, politicians is running in, man. This shit is, yo, really, I'm going to tell you, this shit is like a fucking movie. The shit that they doing and that they do out there in Washington, this shit, you, a movie script, would, you wouldn't believe it if it was a fucking movie script. If it was a movie, it'd be too much. You'd be like, it's no fucking way. Ain't no shit like that going on. You got the motherfucking, you got the motherfucking uh, uh, Governor Anthony Weiner, who got a wife, Hamadad Hamadou, who is motherfucking Hillary Clinton, goddamn uh, 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 gay lover or some shit. This motherfucker gets caught 
sexting, right? He get caught sexting. This is how this, y'all listen, y'all. Yo, check this out. I'm going to tell y'all, look, man, you just can't be saying anything. This motherfucker was texting a motherfucking young girl. They said sexting, so I guess they were talking about sex on the motherfucking thing. He gets caught. Now, from him getting caught, they checking his fucking emails and finds out that his wife is receiving emails on his shit, too. But the wife is receiving top-secret emails, top-secret classified information from Hillary Clinton on his motherfucking shit. And this is how the bitch get caught. Now, this shit is illegal all, all day, according to the rules. So now, according to the rule, that shit was illegal. Now, they, the FBI said we ain't going to pull no case. The attorney general, we ain't going to pull no case. So now they've been running this shit, though, that they ain't going to pull no case. And then the Congress held a motherfucking a hearing and called Clinton in, called the head of the FBI in, called the attorney general in. And question they asked now, and I'm telling you, y'all ain't never seen nothing funny. Then motherfucking congressional hearings with the motherfucking Clinton, this shit is hilarious. Yo, crackers lie. Yo, these motherfuckers lie. Yo, ain't nothing. Yo, it's nothing. No, yo, listen. And, and what really make it interesting is because it's warfare, you know what I'm saying, between white people. So it's always good to watch white people fighting against white people. You guys, you know what I'm saying, just to check out how they get at each other and shit, depending on what they is. <coughs> but all, all in all, overall, though, um, these motherfuckers been sending out all type of goddamn uh, secret motherfucking uh, classified information, holding them on on uh, unregulated servers, personal servers and shit like that, inside their homes, leaving the shit uh, to be hacked by, you know, what they say, by spies or foreign government. And they let her go, the attorney general let her go, but because of all the shit on the news, and the FBI workers who worked there, because they don't have FBI people who done went to jail for what Hillary Clinton done did, less, for less than what she done did. No motherfuckers ain't had no 15, 30,000, 15,000 motherfucking emails and all type of shit, a uh, thousand motherfucking classified emails and they shit. These motherfuckers snuck off with one by accident and got jail time. So they called the ruckus over there in the FBI saying, listen, how this bitch get off? How y'all let this bitch get off and our partners done went to jail? So they got to open it back up. And I guess this was what they called the October surprise. It looked like Hillary Clinton about to die anyway. I don't know. The bitch might be about 90. She got Parkinson's. She got, uh, what, 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 what's the shit? She got uh, Parkinson's. And she got Tourette's or some shit. And <laughs> No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm laughing. I'm laughing. But if I did, so the one that's got Parkinson's and Tourette's. I'm thinking about it. Say that shit. Because I'm looking at the story today. And she done went in on them. I'm going to share these links. It's like about at least six shows where she done went in on Hillary down to the illnesses that you talking about that they trying to keep quiet. Like she went in down to the scandal that you speaking on and you know the WikiLeaks shit really put a motherfucking dagger in it. It really really did a lot of damage. So I'm gonna share that now with the family. 
actual fact. Yo, the WikiLeaks. That motherfucking, the, the, the bitch who owned the WikiLeaks now. They, that, that WikiLeaks? Oh, man, what the fuck? Listen, these motherfuckers got all type of slick shit. WikiLeaks. I, you know, now really, when I heard that shit, I said, what the fuck is a WikiLeaks? I'm like, that's some bullshit, you know. But now you find out that WikiLeaks is the motherfucking most credible motherfucking source. You want to know what the fuck is going on in the government? Check WikiLeaks. They done leaked all the... These motherfuckers in the, in the government just giving all the papers up to people. They sending them shits out every chance they get. They Xeroxing and copying all type of secret motherfucking papers. Don't want to be copied. They sending this shit out. This shit about to fall, guys. This shit about to fall. But like you said, WikiLeaks came out. That's how they got hit with the Benghazi. That's why right now they're talking about how, you know, Hillary Clinton calling all the Catholics dumbasses and talking slick shit about black people and all that shit. They got all her emails and all that shit with all these motherfucking correspondents back and forth. Talking all greasy. So, you know, they they, they getting their ass caught right on up. WikiLeaks. White people don't like to be played by white people. Sorry about that. I say, yo, I'm trying to see. It looks like I can only share this Google Plus. Fuck, I don't think I can put it in Hangout. Uh, it's all good because I'm, I'm telling you though, I've been watching. I've been watching. And I'm telling. They got this cracker from South Carolina. No, they got. I don't know this. The uh, the the committee that was the committee that brought in the FBI on this motherfucker. Uh, 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 who brought in the FBI, brought Comey in, who brought uh, Leary in, the Attorney General, Lyles, brought in Clinton. They got two white boys up there who just, these motherfuckers ain't got no respect. <laughs> got no respect for them. They ain't got no respect for another cracker at all. They, these motherfuckers just go right at them. Chavitz. Um, uh, 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 and he the, he the head of the motherfucking committee, and they got the white boy Trey Gowdy. Uh, I think that's his name, Trey Gowdy. This motherfucker from South Carolina. This goddamn cracker here, yo. This is this this is this, this a cracker cracker right here. This this cracker, he ain't got no respect for no crackers at all. He ain't got no. He ain't, he's a poor. He's one of these poor white trash who happen to be on the motherfucking. We happen to be in the Congress. You know how you get out there in South Carolina. You know you can get you can get good old boys to get on the to get in the Senate and shit like that. And they done they done put old good old boy on the motherfucking thing. And he be he be roasting their ass all the time. He got these motherfuckers in there stuttering, stammering. Uh, these stuff, yo, this shit looks so wild. Yo, you you wouldn't believe how many times you could see a head of a fucking. The head of some shit don't know shit. I'm talking about, yo, don't know a motherfucking thing where you like, yo, get the fuck out of here. You that slow and stupid? You you tell me you don't know nothing that's going to fuck. Look, 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 y'all. Yo, this, yo, this shit is all smoking mirrors. You don't got to be smart to get nowhere in the mirror. You just got to know, the right person got to know you. Trust me on this. But these are the heads of motherfucking 
if it's the head of human resources and shit or some shit like that. She don't know if people getting fired, don't know if anybody going to get fired. These motherfuckers been reviewing some shit. Listen, listen, I got to hear these motherfucking crackers. I don't believe this bitch. Ashay, see, I'm going to have to watch that video with uh, Dick Gregory on why there's not going to be an election. Because we already know, you know, he, he, he got that, he, you know. You got that inside link. You know. <laughs> Y'all say it might not be one because I'm telling you the way that this, I don't know. I don't know, but it's, it's 11 days, right? It's 11 days. They already early balloting. They're already catching these motherfuckers cheating already. Already. Listen, this is going to be one of the most scrutinized elections that they've ever had now because Donald Trump and already should be. This is Trump, he. Yo, the, I don't know what the. This is what I'm saying. I don't know how. The, is they just rigging this shit just for it to just go to hell because Trump got a way of saying shit and he got 50% of the motherfucking America rolling with him. He got 50% of America rolling with him hard. Ideologically. Not saying that they all gung-ho for what, everything he thinks, but they just against Clinton. You feel me? So they fucking with him because they're against him. So the shit that he say make him want to check. So he keep throwing out that this shit is rigged. The election's rigged, y'all. They rigging it. They rigged it here. They rigging it there. It's all rigged, y'all. He's saying this shit. And he's throwing that word out. Rigged. It's rigged. It's rigged. And while you're throwing us out, that's a word that makes people, when you hear that, that makes people want to do oversight. It makes people want to check. Let me see if this shit rigged. It make them want to do shit to check the system. This shit going to be checked real hard. We're going to find, they're going to have this shit running all the time, rigged and rigged here. We found the ballot switching, ballot flipping, all type of shit going to go on. But they just started fucking, uh, they just started, I think, today, did they just start to, um, the, the early voting, like early voting started already. Today, I think, was the first day of early voting. So now they want the people, hurry up, come in here and vote before y'all get a, uh, a whip of what the fuck's going down right here. That this bitch going to jail for passing goddamn state secrets and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, and if that's the case, look, don't be surprised then if Trump, you know, is a mysterious plane crash. Right? Don't let it happen, right? You know, I was already suspicious with it, his VP. I was yeah. with quality. I said, uh huh. All right. Yo, listen, man. No planes, man. You don't get on no planes. That's to the election cause. Don't you get on a plane, Trump. You just ride the bus all the way. I think they had um, a couple of days ago Trump's uh, vice president pick his damn airplane veered off the damn runway and shit. Yeah, <laughs> here in LaGuardia. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about right here, yeah. Hey, you, you better get on that China bus. <laughs> That's a low profile, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Catch a 
one dollar bus, you know what I'm saying? Alright. <laughs> we gotta have a smoking weed Sunday or something. <laughs> God damn. They say, yo, listen, listen, listen. I've been to the Guardia plenty times, man. 50 left times, man. What you talking about? Ain't no planes bearing off the runway in LaGuardia. <laughs> <laughs> What's the odds of that? Come on, man. I done caught enough planes out of LaGuardia, man. Ain't never even had a hiccup. Hey, and y'all ain't got no, no ice or nothing up north, right? Nah, ain't no ice. Ain't no nothing. <laughs>
that Hillary not getting indicted. She's on her plane on a tarmac. Bill Clinton get on the plane, talks to her. Boom, boom, boom. Little conversation. The next day she come out and say, yo, listen, I'm not going to, when I make my decision about the Hillary Clinton case, my decision is just going to be I'm going to take the recommendation of the team, and that's my, going to be my decision. I won't really make a decision. You know, I ain't going to really decide. I'm going to let the team, I'm going to go with what the team say. You know what I'm saying? Now, she does this. She says she did this shit. So nobody would think that she said she came out and announced that. So nobody would think that. The uh, conversation her and Bill had would affect the decision the FBI that the team was going to make on the on the um case. Now, a couple of days later, four days later, or so uh, fucking the FBI director come out and say, "Yo, we gonna recommend she don't get prosecuted." The Attorney General come out and say, "Well, they said they recommend she don't get prosecuted. I'm going with it. she don't get prosecuted." Niggas is like, yo, how are you going to do some shit like that? Like, that shit is unheard of. What attorney general will come out before a decision and say that, listen, yeah, I'm the attorney general, but I'm going to go by what some other motherfuckers say? You the, you get, this your job is to, you get to the FBI, do the motherfucking detective work, because they the head detectives. They give you the case. They say, listen, this is all the shit we got. You go through the case, then decide whether or not you can prosecute by all the evidence that they got. You don't let them tell you whether or not you're going to prosecute. The police don't tell the prosecutor what the fuck they're going to do. That's not how that shit, it ain't, you know, that ain't how it's supposed to be run. Even though it do get run like that a lot of times. The police like, yo, we ain't got enough evidence. We do got, we think we got strong evidence. You know what I'm saying? But that ain't no shit that you come out and announce. We got a whole conundrum of nonsense going on here, man. Unheard of, unheard of shit going on inside of the government right now. Uh, I, I, I never thought I could see something that funny. I thought that the Senate, I thought that the shit with the Senate hearings used to be funny. I thought that that was funny, listening to the senators and shit, you know, talk shit to each other. But now, nah, ain't nothing like a congressional hearing. Ain't nothing like that. They got the motherfucking congressional hearing with the people from Flint. Oh, they trying to get all them fired. They said, what are you still doing with a job? They said, what is going on here? How y'all still got jobs? Y'all the EPA. How you still got a job if these people say the water been messed up for years and you still got a job, you fire them. You the one supposed to be having oversight over this stuff. You supposed to shut this down. You tell me you can't shut it down? No, well, then what you got a job for then if you can't shut it down? <laughs> oh, man, look at this. Oh, I laugh my ass off. I laugh, I laugh like shit. I just look at these white people here. Get them, white man. Cuss each other out. Get each other fired. Lose your job. Let me see some white people losing their job for fucking up. Maybe I can see some suicides. If I see white people losing their jobs, I know suicide coming next. I say. 
So that'd be my whole that'd be my whole thing. Right there, you losing your job? Oh, somebody gonna get somebody gonna catch suicide. I gonna kill himself. They, look, they got these jokers, man. They caught these jokers as a sister. They caught them stuff in the back. They call them, they call them stuff in the ballot boxes in like five different states. So Hillary Clinton could win over motherfucking Bernie Sanders. They got they got these motherfuckers on camera, on camera. <laughs> these they reckless stuff in this shit. That's what it is. They looking all around. You know they hot. You know these motherfuckers. You know they got a bunch of women. They all of them is women. Yo, I swear to God, I swear everybody who was stuffing the ballot boxes was women. I said, what kind of bullshit is this? I said, see, a bunch of white women. They all got together to conspire together to get Hillary Clinton in office. I said, these white women crazy. And then, you know, they like, they criminals, right? Like, they ain't criminals like, see, they not like regular criminals. These is like, um, these like the world's dumbest criminals. You know what I'm saying? When you commit crime like this. Because you see them, everybody know they're doing something wrong. You can look at their body language. And know whatever the fuck they're doing, even if you, even if it was, you did, even if it wasn't no title for the fucking video, right, to tell you that motherfuckers are stuffing the ballot box. If you just looked at the video, you'd be, you'd be like, what the fuck are they doing? Why are they doing that shit like that? Like, that shit look wrong. Like, something look wrong right there. What the fuck is going on there? You would think that something was going on wrong. So that's why I said that's why they bad criminals. These these are the dumb, the world's dumbest crooks. Is white people trying to rig elections? They got Texas and y'all is out there in Texas. They got the Texas joint. If you if you push Trump, they turn to Clinton on the electronic ballot. They don't even got the little Damn. small hat. The small hat ain't even on there. They had a small hat. They had a little small hat, the other small hat woman. I ain't seen her on the ballot no more. What happened to the little hat? Jill Stein. Yeah, what's that, the Green Party? Yeah, one, I think so. I'm going to call back in. I hear Huh? What'd you say? What's this yeah, again? she said she heard an echo. She's going to call right back in, brother, for us. All right. I thought, I, you know what? I thought that's what she said, an echo. Yeah, Stein. Y'all, hold up, hold up, hold up, though. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I want y'all to hear this black woman. This, this is the, you know, the attorney general is a black woman. Yeah, you know that, brother, Cross? Yeah, she reminds me of old uh, Aunt Sally in New Haven. <laughs> yo, bro, like, yo, son, her and Sally could be cousins and stuff. Her and Sally, they got the same Sally haircut. Yup. Same, my, that must be the Aunt Sally. That's what we call that. That's the Sally. <laughs> Sally girl. That's the Sally girl haircut. Oh, shit. Yo, damn. I didn't even think about but looking at her. Just as soon as I looked at her, I thought about that. Let's, hold on. I'm going to play this real quick, man. You hear this shit, man. You can believe this, man. Mr. Chairman, um, 
Madam Attorney General, the central uh, issue to me is, is this perception, uh, frankly, rooted in some realities of, of a dual-track or two-tiered justice system. Um, and I know that you have dedicated your career um, to, the, to the pursuit of justice. You work for a blindfolded woman who's holding nothing but a set of scales. And, and I think it's important that, that she's blindfolded because she shouldn't see race, the gender, the socioeconomic status, the fame or lack of fame of the person in front of her. And, and, and I'm sure you've experienced it like some of the rest of us. It's not just the suspect or the target or the defendant. The witnesses have to have confidence in the justice system. The jurors have to have confidence in the justice system. The public has to have confidence in the justice system. So th th this dual track, different set of rules for certain people than for others. It frankly should not matter whether you are running for president or running late to a kid's ball game. The same rules ought to apply to everyone. So let me ask you this. Why do you think it's important to use official email to conduct official business? I believe it's important to do that. I think that um Certainly every department has chosen to craft the way in which they carry out their business and it provides for a way of doing business in a secure system. So you use official email to conduct official business? Yes, sir, I do. Okay. And do you ever email, send or receive classified information on personal email? I do not. Um, I doubt you even use your usdoj.gov account to send classified information, do you? We have separate systems. Right. Uh, there would be a separate um, classified system. system for that. Right. So not only do you not use personal email to do it, you don't even use your usdoj.gov. You have a separate dedicated system to handle classified information. Why? We have a separate system to handle the security needs. But my question is why? Why is it important enough to you to not use personal email to conduct public business and to use a separate, more safely guarded system when you do handle classified information? That is the practice that I've certainly always followed. It but it's not for the just your, I mean, it's not just a personal preference, is no, it? No, it allows for the protection of the, of the uh, information, both on a regular system, because again, that's still sensitive, law enforcement types of matters, and then a classified system for separately classified information. What element do you think was lacking in the statutes that you evaluated as it relates to Secretary Clinton? So let me, again, um, as I've indicated before, and I, and I want to make it clear that, um, as I indicated before, while the reason why I will not be going into the analysis that was provided and the discussion that we had uh, between myself and the team is because we protect our teams and that they have to be free to provide information and analysis in a confidential way uh, without the, the, the fear or impact of there being a political influence on that. I, I understand that's that. why I have not gone into that type of discussion. What I can tell you is that the team did evaluate the, the relevant statutes that were considered uh, in this investigation. They looked at all of the facts and evidence. And as in every case, they applied them to that statute All right, to determine but, what but the element But my specific question met. to you, Madam Attorney General, is what element of which offense did you find lacking from an evidentiary standpoint? 
Well, I would say that in order to answer that, I would have to go into the entire level of analysis. Don't, don't, don't you think yes. public perception in, in, in a single-track justice system is important enough that you could at least touch on what you thought was lacking? Congressman, in this case, we have taken the unusual step of discussing it in ways that the department typically does not in order to provide more clarity into this situation. And while I understand that it is frustrating to a number of people, uh, civilians as well as members of this body, uh, we have taken extraordinary steps to discuss this matter in ways that typically we do not. Let me ask you this. Charges are not brought. And as I indicated before, just so it's clear, my reasons for not going into the substance of the information that I receive and review before I made my decision to accept the recommendation are that the teams that I work with, whether it's this case or any other, be free to provide confidential analysis, discussion, uh, without the input of any... With all due respect, Madam Attorney General, uh, you can do all of what you just described and still tell the people what element... I mean, the elements of a criminal offense are public, so that's not... There's no secret there. And, and for you to go through the elements and say, as Director Comey did, he said there was no specific intent. I'm out of time, but I suspect you have prosecuted reckless homicide cases, haven't you? Um, in the context of violent crime. How about involuntary manslaughter? Uh, in, for the department or personally? No, just as a prosecutor. Um, there, there's involuntary manslaughter. There's reckless homicide. There's felony DUI where you really didn't mean to hurt anybody. You, you really didn't, but you did. And this lack of specific intent is not a defense in any of those cases. So I think the public would like to know how you determine she did not have the intent to break the law and why you are applying a specific intent requirement here when you don't even do it in certain homicide cases. Well, Congressman, as I've said, well, I think you've mentioned a number of state cases there. Uh, but as I've said, the reason why I am not going into the discussion I had and providing that particular level of information, although the FBI director did choose to do so, is that the information the team provides to me on this or any other case has to be given in a zone of confidentiality so that they can be clear and sure that there's never a political overtone to their decisions, nor will I apply one in accepting their decisions. That's why we have taken the unusual providing greater information, as frustrating as that has been for a number of people uh, to have additional information. That's why I took the unusual step of clarifying my role in this investigation. Well, I'm out of time. The only thing I find frustrating is that even after this and Director Comey, people still believe that if you are famous, there's a different set of rules than if people don't know your name. And, and I think you're missing a wonderful opportunity to say with specificity which, which evidentiary element you found lacking. So Congress can go fix the statute if you think we need to, but right now, we have no idea whether or not a President Lynch could do exactly what Secretary Clinton did or whether President Clinton could do exactly what Secretary Clinton did. I think that lack of clarity is bad for the Republic.
sound retarded. I'm like, yo, what is going on with these people, man? I'm, I, 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 yo. After about a week of just watching a lot of this shit, and now I, I, it, it, it really just, if you going to vote, if you going in there to vote, if you want to pull this level, and you trying to get somebody in there, you about dumb as a motherfucking box of rocks. I'm telling you, watching this, oh, no, nah, this shit fucked up. This ain't, yo, listen, listen, we're going to have to just take over. This is not going to be no motherfucking, ain't no way. Look, look, we ain't going to never put enough smart, look, like, we'll never get enough black people to get in. Right? You know how it's like, oh, we ain't educated enough and we ain't smart enough and all this shit. That's why we ain't took over all the positions and all this shit. No, no, no. So the people who are in these positions is dumb as hell. And and I'm telling you, they dumb. Fuck that. Ain't no, they not playing dumb up here. They dumb. You can listen to how they answer. They patterns of speech let you know that they really slow. You know what I'm saying? It ain't about who you know. It's about who knows you. And these motherfuckers is getting put in position. They the children of people who own the shit already. That's all this is. This is a fucking, this is one of these games that everybody who to serve them stay to serve them. All the kings and, and lords and all that shit stay the lords, and every once in a while somebody can sneak through. You can somehow do a land grab and get in there and get and get your paper up. But, you know what I'm saying, to become, you can look like the nobility. You know what I mean? Never really become one, but look like the nobility. But besides that, man, it's just, the motherfuckers is, is, is born in the surf them. Some people, everybody born into their own fucking class. It's like, it's like the shit in India over here, man. And we just can't see it. We the goddamn untouchables. Don't, uh, don't fucking know it. You want a point, bro, D? Black Power. D.D. Fahodia. Black Power, bro. Um, but the Mechanron said it, man. He said that shit like six six months ago, man. Probably said it before. Just it's a mafia operation, man. Motherfuckers already know shit's going down. Like when I saw that video you dropped, man, that shit broke it all down. Bodies dropping, niggas. Shit too niggas bodies dropping, nigga. You heard what? You say what? Oh, oh, oh. bodies. Bodies. Yo. Bodies, yo. nigga. <laughs> What's the coincidence that 114 motherfuckers you know get killed? You know what I'm saying? All around the same circumstance. These motherfuckers was all, you know, had some type of, you know, uh, cross-pollination with, 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 with some type of uh, endeavor, whether it been financial, political, social. <laughs> nigga sucked Bill's dick. Nigga sniffed the line with Bill. Out of here, nigga. Well, you sip that beer, you sip out of here, nigga. Yo, you know what I'm saying? Take a bite of the cheesecake out of here, huh? Yo, listen, man. Yo, 114 motherfuckers around you get killed. Where there's some shit. Son, you going to that station. Oh, you going to that station, nigga. They're bringing you to that station. Nigga, sooner or later, listen. Ten motherfuckers around you that did business go down. And you still around. They bring you to the station. So the two people that you do business with go down and they know it and you've been tight with them doing business, they're going to ask you some questions, but 100, 100 plus? Oh, nigga, oh, you, oh, 
plenty of questions for your ass. You're getting a long ass session. Out of here, man. They was cleaning house. That shit was just like, I'm like, man. Anybody who know anything about any money that's been fucked up, anybody know about anything that can get me fucked over. Out of here. That need to that need to be the slogan for uh, Hillary's campaign. Out of here, right? Out of here. Yeah, that shit just crazy, man. Niggas is dropping like flies, and the thing is, that's just one. You're looking at one family, one presidency. So imagine all the bodies that the Bushes call, all the bodies that Nixon call, all these motherfuckers. It's over time. Yo, listen, check this out. I just seen some shit. Look. Motherfucking white boy just caught in Nevada, caught the motherfucking head of Hillary Clinton's motherfucking um, uh, 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 campaign in Nevada. Caught her on camera <coughs> telling them to get rid of the Trump supporters and all that. Don't register nobody who a Trump supporter. Um rip their cards up, you know what I'm saying, whatever, whatever, just keep doing it no matter what until they just kick you out, until you just get, you know what I'm saying, until they, they just tell you you can't come back no more. Just keep doing it, you know what I'm saying, which is illegal. Like, you can't go register voters and then be like, yo, if, I ain't going to register you if you register for Trump. Uh, I'll tear the registration card up and shit. You know what I'm saying? You can't do that shit. Motherfuckers mm-hmm. is out in the campaign headquarters telling the motherfuckers that. Now, son, two days later, son, after the video come out, nigga, they done scrubbed her motherfucker. She ain't got, you can't find her on, on you know, her law firm website done went down. They done scrubbed her, scrubbed her right off the internet, nigga. The motherfucking white boy go back to go find her. Like, yo, listen, I want to talk, I want to talk to her. We trying to find her. Um. Uh, they like, yo, she on vacation. Ain't nobody seen her in a week. <laughs> she done come up on, she done come up on missing, permanent style. Out of here. Out of here. Out of here. <laughs> Out of here. Out of here. Out of life, man. Look, I'm going to find this shit, man. Out of here, Johnny. I'm going to find her name. I'm going to find her name. Uh, you know what it go? You know what it go back to though? Uh, ghetto boys, man. Remember that joint? Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. Mm-hmm. Sitting up in the White House. Oh yeah. That shit pretty much described the whole uh, whole dynamic, man. Like you said, if a motherfucker about to go vote now, nigga, good luck, bro. Them as motherfuckers, you really wasn't going to get no way. Now, the youth, I can see, because they don't understand the dynamic of all what's going down. But they'll tell you. The youth will probably tell you right now, like, man, fuck that shit. Boy, that shit rigged up. Young boy, young sister tell you that shit. So, yeah, man. But, uh, yeah, that's some fuckery. You remember that year that they did, one year they did the congressionals? I forgot what was going on. Motherfuckers talking about I can't recall. This nigga said that shit like 84 times. I can't recall. I can't recall. I can't recall. I do not recall. <laughs> I do not recall. a white woman like that. She said this shit 74 times. 74 times, man. I do not recall. Um, Let me think. Let me see. Oh, I do not recall currently. Currently, yup. I don't. 
Sisters in there, you know, you know, you know these, you know they in there filling, filling positions, man. They get the motherfuckers in there that's gonna, you know, hold the line and shit. That's why they there. They there to hold the line. Whatever we put out, you know what I'm saying? That process ain't never fared no real results for Africans anyway, so ain't you know what I mean, ain't nothing but some disgruntled whiteies gonna be able to even probably, you know what I'm saying, might be able to get some shit, uh, you know, uh bring some awareness to some shit. Even them little white reporters, they fucking around, they trying to they want you to see a motherfucker rattle. But them niggas know, them motherfuckers know like shit. Let me stay in my lane, nigga. I'm trying to make it to the airport, make it to the crib and shit. Let me see. Let me see if she's back on. Oh, the woman who is heading up. Um, Good, sir. Black power to you, too, sis. Black power to you, too, uh, King. BB48. I am putting a hangout, a link, dealing on what Brother Boone was talking about, where Eric Gardner's daughter uh, apparently blasts Hillary Clinton over the um, campaign, over the WikiLeaks emails about her father. You know, these <laughs> WikiLeaks joints reveal emails between her campaign um, people talking about how they could use his death to uh, help promote, uh, you know, um, gun violence or, or gun um, what's that bullshit they pushing, you know, uh, to to curb people from having guns type of legislation and shit. Well, they trying to ban you got them guns. Trying to ban all the rifles. But, but, but she put the blast on her. Straight up. Yo, the young queen, she, 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 she really is like coming out, you know, she ain't holding her tongue back. She letting it hang loose, and I respect her for that. Unlike um, what it appears with the elders and her family, and I mean, like her parents, her moms, and her grandma, the young queen is definitely not afraid to speak truth to power. Yo, listen, right? Get the one. I gotta get this right here. Go, Dustin. Hold on. I'll take a picture of that. Because then when, when you go to hit it, Las Vegas attorney, law, it don't exist no more. And it don't exist. They done shot her ass right off the motherfucking, she's out of here. And that's what he said. He said, y'all, they scrubbed her off the fucking internet. Scrubbed her law firm right off the internet. Day later, she's out of here. Attorney in Las Vegas, where are you at? Where are you at? They ain't seen got no picture no more. 
Niggas is telling me this now. I'm hearing anything to practice the white man shit. They're telling me the white man stole it from us. They won't dress up like, I don't know, these niggas dressing up like pharaohs. Oh, stop. Oh, Reese's. These niggas, yo, listen, listen. Listen, listen. Negroes have slipped their wig, man. I'm telling you, look. Trust me. You go out this weekend, niggas going to be dressed like slaves. Everything. Trust me, niggas going to be dressed like slaves. And they're going to be dressed like, uh, 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 they're going to look like New Wapians. You ain't going to know if it's a gang of New Wapians. Are you a little nigga trick or treat? This is what it's going to look like out there. Trust that, trust. I, I already see it in the making. I've seen niggas already with the, with the uh, suits on. I've seen it. <laughs> Oh, that's sad. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody that made a deal with Party City on the low. Oh. Nigga, Party City's selling dashikis and afros. Now, I was just joking, Brother Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Straight like yeah. that. Party City's selling dashikis and afros. Straight like that. That's heavy. Wow. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Some are incredulous. Some are don't got no, don't give a fuck. Don't care at all. They selling Dostikis and Afro together. Anything black people do is just another character. So they want to ignore the fact that this shit has uh, participated in the rituals as an effect. Yeah, so if we, if we just rename it, mm-hmm. then it don't have no effect. Mm-hmm. It has the reverse effect. That's what yeah, we're doing. Yeah, if we just call it the Harvest Festival, and we do it on the 31st, we do it on the 30th. When everybody else, listen, our people don't know how, I'm, I'm, I'm like, we... Well, Brother Boone, I guess they can make that argument because, you know, look, we do Kwanzaa. They got Kwanzaa. Is that? Yo, my man, yo, listen, people be one day be like, yo, uh, boy, you be against everything. You just don't. I'm like, nah, it ain't that I'm just against everything. I'm just like, what the fuck is going on, though? How are we just supposed to just switch over to this other shit sitting right on top of this shit? What the fuck is this, man? Nice. <laughs> I think we didn't even get a chance to break our motherfucking psyche. We didn't even get a chance to break this shit out of our psyche yet and come up and think of something different. 
He just switched right on over. Exactly. He commercial. Yeah, man. Can't sweep. Just like you said, you know, you're not against everything, but shit, we damn sure can't be for everything. Yes, <laughs> man. Damn sure can't be for every fucking thing, though. Just for the record, too, um, Elder uh, Ancestor Baba Baba Clark said uh, the uh, the uh, foundations for Kwanzaa come out of uh, ancient uh, Tanzania culture. He said uh, Karenga ain't even make that shit up. He's trying to act like he created some shit, but he took that shit out of some of the Tanzanian culture. So Karenga plagiarizing shit. Well, what Karanga did was put that wicked cracker energy on it by slapping it right beside Christmas, putting a Hanukkah motherfucking menorah on it, and mm-hmm. and, and, and making us run right along with they right along with their capitalism. Yeah, I was gonna say, I say the the biggest problem with Kwanzaa is the nationalization of that shit um, under the under America's um, standard. You know what I'm saying? Ashay, that's an excellent point. And I think, too, it makes uh, requires us to look at that reality because why would this uh, white supremacy society uh, support such a thing? And they have. There's no denying that. It's commercialized, you know what I'm saying? The first year that Kwanzaa came out, Karinga was in jail. They didn't even mention it in the article. Mm. And I'm glad he brought up Dr. Clark because Dr. Clark also gave some history on how he is a no-good bastard. I say it like that, you know, elder and all, straight up, traitor. Uh, it shows evidence of being uh, um, down with uh, being informant. Also, the disrespect that he showed in the Holy of Holies, you know, um, a lot of things, you know, down to his uh, exploitation and disrespect of uh, black women, you know what I'm saying? So just by that, when you look at it being, you know, when you look at the person who creates this, it makes the suspect just out the jump. Mm Mm-hmm. And he used real things, like the brother said, like, um, he used real terms in Swahili, you know, to lure you in. That's what he said. He he wrote it out and said why he did it. And he knew it was going to play to us. He knew. But he knew that we needed something else. He knew that, you know what I'm saying? He said, yo, I knew they wasn't going to want to leave Christmas, so I'm going to throw something right on the side of it. But I'm gonna find I'm gonna find his own words. I'll find his words. If I find them, I'll read his own words. So then you'll see how crazy he sounds. Okay, but first I got a little book on Kwanzaa I had back in the day. I still got it. And again, those are some really great principles. That's what get you caught up. Mm-hmm. What the day is, Eugene? 
Mm-hmm. Coochie Chagalia, you know, all that. Man, that's the day. That's the day. That the day is Ujima. From back when we when we named the days of the week. The day is Ujima. So. Like, like you were saying though, brother Born, it's the uh, commercial. Like you and brother um, Carl is saying, it's just a, it's the commercialization of it. Because really, those concepts is shit we supposed to be doing fucking every day. You know, twenty four seven, three sixty fucking five. And that's why we get the phone, because it's commercialized. Yeah. No question. I was, I was, yeah, exactly. I was going to throw in that. Um, those things are supposed to be practiced as a, something we got self-contained. You know what I mean? Uh, your culture not supposed to be everybody else's culture. Mm-hmm. And so I was, uh, you know how they got, um, you know, you got the Kwanzaa, but then you see when you look at other people, uh, immigrants that come to this country and shit, how the crackers try to accommodate them by um, getting some information on their, 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 their um, practices, and the next thing you know, you know, niggas is celebrating Cinco de Mayo and shit. Kids in school, the kids, the kids in school has got Cinco de Mayo week and shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you, you end up trying to practice other people's culture, uh, the cracker uses it as a way to try to um, his 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 lingo is it allows for in a multicultural society for you to respect other people's um, background, but that shit is all based on his standards. You know what I mean? It ain't, it ain't got shit to do with the people's culture that you um, being being um, brought into you know, a greater understanding of. It's all based on him saying you need to know about just this part of their culture. Because it has it serves a certain purpose for them. Yep, and ain't nobody got more holidays than the Jew. Damn right. That motherfucker up here anyway, up in the north. Every time you turn around, it's another Jew holiday. Hell yeah, you know. I was gonna say, you know, the best way to find out Jew holidays go get a go get a school district calendar. I shame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you be like. Damn, every every other day, shit. Well, Jewish kids don't even go to school. <laughs> then, yeah, the man, and in the public schools, the public school kids, they out for the Jewish holidays when the Jews don't even go, when the Orthodox Jews don't even go to public school. Okay. Now, don't even go to public school. And then Dom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, Hanukkah. Uh, uh, hold up. They got a couple other blood letting and all type of other bullshit. Easter, that's their shit. All that shit belongs to them. That's their shit. Yo, I was gonna um I was gonna say I've been noticing living down here, um, in the in the, the slave south, right? That um there's more damn Jewish cemeteries than fucking anything, yo. So if anybody if anybody ever got um, something to say about what role the Jews played in slavery. You can come out here and look at the fucking grave, graveyards they got here and shit with Star David outside the motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Black Power. Black Power family. Black Power, Ken. Black Power, Queen. Uh, y'all talking about... 
I know something earlier, man, and they was talking about, you know what I'm saying, how uh, during during times of slavery, they was using those holidays, uh, like, like times. Brother Tim, Brother Tim, hold on, hold on, hold on. Your shit blank, um, blanking out every, like, two words or some shit. Yeah, I, yeah, I hear me. Yeah, I hear you. Well, go ahead, start, start over, because it was blanking yeah. out. Uh-huh. I'm outside these dogs barking and shit, so you know what I'm saying. But uh, but uh, I was reading. It was talking about how in time, in the in the times, you know what I'm saying, of our enslavement, uh, the white folks was using them. They was using them the holidays as as like uh, you know, a time to uh to get niggas to to relax. You know what I'm saying? They was giving niggas them holidays as as kind of times like to to uh, be off from everything because they figured out that, that that would lessen the likelihood of, of insurrections, you know what I'm saying, uh, of goddamn me. You know what I'm saying? They, you got them, at the time, they were worried about getting their head chopped off, so, you know what I'm saying, they were seeing down, you know what I'm saying, one of the things that's leading to that shit is, is nigga, we ain't giving them niggas no time, you know what I'm saying, at all, you know what I'm saying, to chill out. So they were using them holidays, as as like these times for uh, I gotta go and get it and see exactly how he worded it, but he was using saying they was using them holidays as times like for uh to to try to lessen the the uh, chances of insurrection. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like power to the family. Black power. Black Power to the ancestors, Dr. Khalid Muhammad, uh, who did that wonderful lecture at King College, breaking out that information from that book, The Secret Alliance Between Blacks and Jews. Black Power to the uh, elder professor, um, William Mackey, dropping that information on the relationship between Africans and Jews at that lecture that he had at Dr. Clark, with Dr. Clark at the UAM, you know, because they spoke, they speak on all of this, you know, uh, and having been in this society where their so-called holidays are acknowledged to that extent shows who really has the power in this white racist society. Yeah, they say that a Jew can't be a president. Don't have to be when they've been running shit since the formation of this racist fucking slave uh, slavocracy. You know what I'm saying? Since since the formation, mm-hmm. the first mm-hmm. fucking one of the first murderous Jews, Cristobal Colon. You know the Jew motto. I say, I say, family. I had the little quote, man. I want to, I want to uh, just put it out there for the family. It was from. Uh, Frederick Douglass, but I'm I'm uh, getting it out of American Negro slavery votes. Uh, what he said was these holidays were also sort of or slave valves to carry off the explosive elements inseparable from the human mind when reduced to the condition of slavery. But for these, the rigors of bondage would have become too severe for endurance, and the slave would have been forced up to de- dangerous desperation. He goes on to say that 
of slaves who did not make the most of these holidays in the accepted style of hilarious carrying on was suspect. So not to be drunk during the holidays. Ashe. Ashe. Same behavior we have to this day, right? Even to the behavior of um, after Friday night, after working, you party, you get drunk, dance. They did that shit on the plantation. Oh, yeah. Earn it. What it's like right now, earn a check and then blow the check so you got to come back. <laughs> you got to go back to work on the beginning of the week because you don't blow the shit. That shit just made me think of how the reaction is of, of you know what I'm saying, when when you tell motherfuckers you ain't fucking with this holiday or that holiday. Remember, Queen, we was talking about how we have to have that conversation, you know what I'm saying, about, you know what I'm saying, how do you really, you know what I'm saying, uh, you know what I'm saying, like with your family and shit, how do you, how do you, how to, what's the proper way to, to you know what I'm saying, to, uh, deal with the people that's already caught up in the in them hot holidays. We know our people is already caught up in them. You know what I'm saying? And, and I just, I, that just made me think about it when I was reading it. I was like, God damn, that shit a fool right there. You know what I'm saying? To see that. Mm-hmm. God damn, they made it as if during slave times, they made it as if if, if you was one of them niggas that wasn't celebra- celebrating and happy-go-lucky when Christmas time came, or Thanksgiving or whatever these holidays they want to make up, you know what I'm saying? When, when If you weren't one that was full-fledged, you know what I'm saying, right along with the program, then you were suspect. You know what I'm saying? What you know that that, that could have came with any kind of uh, repercussions for our people, you know? Just by not celebrating the fucking holiday. Ashe. And that that's some powerful information you share with the family, King. Really. Black power, please. Y'all put it on my head, man. I just that made me think about it. Just talk about the other day. Just made me think about this shit like damn, you know what I'm saying? Where is that coming from? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it just made perfect sense when I came across that, like, damn, you know what I'm saying? These motherfuckers that perfected that shit from from way so you know what I'm saying? Like, I had the question with, how can you goddamn make a people, you know, like if we Africans, we know nothing about, I'm not saying if, we know we Africans. Well, goddamn, at the time of us coming over here in my Alpha, we would have known nothing about a fucking holiday, whatever the fucking holiday, we wouldn't know nothing about that shit. You know what I'm saying? So how do you goddamn, it's just like the Jesus shit. How do you put that on the people? You know what I'm saying? And we see that goddamn that shit was probably just beating towards just the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Psychologically, you know what I mean? Broken down. That's what the beating do, right? Break you down mentally. All that torture shit. Break you down. You, you know, know the, they probably was the easiest. After they done beat you with everything else, they offer you a couple scraps on the same day that they partying. That's the easiest thing they could have. That's the easiest one. Mm-hmm. Off you a couple scraps of the day we party. Ain't once in a while you get a reprieve. 
Okay, you're going to get raped this day. So if you look at that as good, you waiting for that day to come around again. Oh, man, man, you know, Christmas time coming. Mm-hmm. You know, it ain't got to come again. And you get this big you get this. You get the way for Christmas. And think, and think about what the gift is. The gift ain't nothing but a day out. Mm-hmm. See, yo, yo, you know what I'm saying? For me, see, it's nothing, nigga. Miss Ann, you come out there. Miss Ann, you come out there and throw some old dresses to some of them sallies and out there. And good, and 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 and, and, and the husband ain't going to give up some of his hat, maybe a jacket or two, to some of them uncles. And then, you know, old uncle gave him a new jacket, the one, you know, he passed his jacket down, everybody get a gift. You know, they whittling stuff, making bow and arrows. So, yeah, he connected, he said those holidays was was emotional outlet. You know what I'm saying? And, and I mean that that those words he used just made me think about it like damn that's true indeed because goddamn you think about it in that time even today you know what I'm saying they keep your ass so fucking busy you know what I'm saying I told the family with with, with my with my with my family in particular our only really time of being able to get together as a family is Thanksgiving and Christmas you know what I'm saying goddamn now. That's that's terrible, but that shows you that goddamn this motherfucker's keeping niggas busy. You know what I'm saying? Keeping niggas busy, man. And shit, you know, you know niggas are looking forward to that. You know, it's tied to the emotions. You know what I'm saying? You look forward to that. They tie they tie in the holiday with your emotions, my nigga. They keep you so busy. Now all the time you get to really see your family and got to kick it with your family is during these times. So you kind of equating that shit with, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if that's making any sense, but yeah, it makes it makes a hell of a lot of sense, man. Mm-hmm. I, I was gonna say like people, I got fam that drive they drive down here like 13 hours or whatever for the for the holidays, and you know it's a good time to talk about ideas and actually functioning like a family, and then when people start parting their ways, kind of. You know, it's like an eerie feeling that um, there's a there's a there's a reason that nobody want to acknowledge why we really can't we really can't move on some of the shit we discussed during these types of um these engagements. Everybody go back to work. You know, just like you, <laughs> it's a, every single year. You know what I'm saying? We talk about you know, family be wanting to invest in other talented um uh, nieces and nephews and stuff like that, but the shit don't fall through because there's no there's no daily connectivity to get that, that energy um, growing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, so, and so as soon as the event, is, as soon as the engagement is over, we go redirect our energy right back into the system and shit. Well, you know, you just made me visualize how that, you know, we're living on a plantation, but not on the plantation. You know, the jobs are plantations. At the end of the day, you know, you you have to go back to it if you want to survive. You know what I'm saying? They've done a beautiful job of masking what it really is. 
And Brother Tim, too, you know, when you mentioned that emotional outlet, you know, um, think about that plantation life during that enslavement, that, that horrors of horrors. Our people weren't allowed even to talk to each other. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and I'll say they out there working them fields or whatever, they were forced, whatever industry they were forced to um, slave in. They couldn't communicate. They couldn't uh, laugh, you know, sing. I mean, damn, even after that, uh, we moved from the plantation post-reconstruction, you have the goddamn laughing barrels where we can't even laugh out in the street. We were just walking if a white person come by. So you can only imagine what it had to be like on that goddamn filthy plantation, you know? So being able to have those moments where you can laugh and talk and sing and shit. And just relax, man, and yeah. be yourself. Uh-huh. Not have to worry about that, that eye over your shoulder all the time. And this is it, you know what I'm saying? This shit is still here. You feel it's still there? I mean, it's not, it hasn't went nowhere. It just changed the form. That's Motherfuckers go to work every day with the eye over their shoulder, my nigga. You know what I'm saying? Goddamn boss getting on the nerve. Whoop, 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 whoop. Then you get your break. You want to go kick it with your family. It's the same shit. Black power. Oh, yeah. Black power to that, brother. Yeah, I just, I work out on a plantation I work at. It's it's crazy because, um, you know, brothers, it's funny about where they talk. In the in the warehouse and shit, or the plant, and, and who they talk to, who they talk all to, that shit. yeah, man, and, and yo, even as far as being able to laugh and shit, like, you know, after five, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty legit, cause there ain't no crackers around, so niggas get wild and shit, you know what I'm saying? You be free, but um, when the crackers is there during the day, it's something, cause it's literally raining like a plantation. Like I heard one of the supervisors, cracker supervisor, said, well, you know. I know a lot about running plants because I've been running plants for 17 years. And all I thought of, I've been running plantations for motherfucking 17 years with you niggas on them. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And that, that shit is, that shit literally is what, what you know, if he could have said plantation, he would have said fucking plantation. You know what I'm saying? It felt it felt empowered through it. You know, when it's only it's only watching niggas do work. It ain't even, there's no work involved for uh, a supervisor at a plant. I mean, I'm not a, again. It ain't watered down, but it definitely has. Um, it's continued the same way. That shit kind of like unspoken, man. That um, the the, the reality of yesterday's slavery uh, in relation to today's slavery, like the reality that is still going on, is one of the most um, non-discussed uh, conversations. Real. Real. power, you know, and that's why I appreciate this uh, forum, this platform, because the family has always dealt with the reality that our enslavement has not ended, and Brother Tim has just dropped a beautiful example of that. Yeah, 
You know, and Brother Cause added on to that, showing the reality. You know, we don't want to look at it. We don't want to face it. We want to run from this recent past instead of embracing this shit. You know what I'm saying? And then dealing with handling unfinished business. Hell uh, yeah, I, I suffer from extreme jatomania in 2016, you know. That's one thing that, you know, uh, I mean, that's what the whole St. Coco movie is, is, is telling us, you know what I'm saying? It's, that's the whole thing is telling us to understand that it's still the same thing. You see what I'm saying? You see the queen, when she when she sees it, she her whole her whole demeanor changes to the white boy. You know what I'm saying? Because she, she understands and the shit is, you feel me, it's the same shit. <laughs> It's the same shit, man. But but they but what do they tell us through the movies? What do they tell us through the motherfucking media? What do they tell us through the radio? It's a new day. We we're in a post racial society. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That was that, that was back then. That was back then. You know, why are you talking about old shit? You know, and they, they you know what I'm saying, they have our our youngsters, our babies talking that nonsense. So so they won't even look into it. You know what I'm saying? When 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 they are uh worshipping the murderer uh of of the people. You know what I'm saying? When when we when we our babies are doing the sick holidays of these monsters, you know. So it's like it, they they got so much to overcome. So much to overcome. Are we going to get there? Goddamn right. Goddamn right. You know what I'm saying? And the, and the babies is, is is waking to that reality more and more. You know what I'm saying? More and more each day. I mean, but it's it's a... You got to understand that with our generation, man, like, they, they got three, four generations right there, man. You know what I'm saying? That that didn't give a damn about that shit. So our babies, I mean, yeah, they, you know, we we able to tell them a little bit more and shit. You know what I'm saying? To push to that right direction. But the reality is, shit, we catching up too. We catching up right with their ass. Shit. And you know something, brother? That that's what can bring some real unity uh, between. Uh, the generations that prior generations have not had, you know, that humility that we right here with you. You know what I'm saying? I like to let the babies know that I'm not like your elder. No, fuck all that shit, man. Look, man, we in this fucking war together, my nigga. I'm, nigga, I can't have your ass fall, nigga. I don't care how old your ass is. Nigga, you need to be on your shit. You know, you can't follow my nigga because that shit going to affect me. That shit going to affect all us, nigga. 
you know, and I, I'm just trying to give them that mentality, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, I know you, I know it's probably, you know what I'm saying? I just want to give them that mentality, man, you know? They got damn, you know, like, shit, even though, even though he older than us, he ain't trying to, you know what I'm saying? Nigga, nigga, he just, he just want, he, he rocking, like, like, you know what I'm saying? You got to keep that with the, you got to keep that with the youth, man, to let them know, man, shit, hell nah, nigga, we, nigga, I'm still going through this shit too, nigga. Right with your ass. So I'm going to try to help you out so you don't got to make the same mistake. But at the end of the day, nigga, we in this shit together. You know what I'm saying? I can't be talking down at you and shit. I say because you can learn from some a younger, somebody younger than you. I, right. I know this firsthand. I, I you know? I, I say this, right? My bad, Queen. My bad, Queen. My bad. Not King. I just want to put this in there. I say this. As a youngster, young niggas is gonna always know more about what's going down on the streets, man, than than, than these old motherfuckers. I don't give a fuck how much a nigga say he in the street. A nigga my age, uh nigga, I'm still halfway out there. But goddamn, I ain't finna know about more than what these youngsters, my nigga that's eleven, you know what I'm saying, like like seventeen, eighteen, you feel me? They know this motherfucking shit, man. So I'd be a damn fool, my nigga, if I'm talking about I'm trying to goddamn do something better for the people that's out here, my nigga, for the people. I'd be a damn fool to goddamn turn the back on the youngster right there because he know what's happening out here. He know what's happening out here, man. Nigga, at that age, it wasn't shit out you could miss me with. Going on out this motherfucker. Now, man, nigga, trying to nigga gotta go to work. Nigga gotta do this and do that. You know, like now, nigga is going too fast. You feel me? Now, nigga is trapped in that is in that rat race. You feel me? The youngsters ain't in that shit. They ain't in that shit. They saying shit for what it is. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's just where I stand on the black power, man. Black power? Is it the phone hanging up? Yeah, Black Power, you know, Brother uh, Tim, and you're making me think about what Brother Bourne said. He he really brought a dilemma. The dilemma he brought out here is another thing that the youth are going to be faced with is having black adults who are now flipping the Cracker Beast holidays, you know, and putting a black face on it. How is this going to, you know, this is another thing that they're going to be confronted with, apparently God damn now. Right. God damn right. That's a problem. How That's does terrible, you- especially when they find out what's the history of the, of the holiday. Then they're going to fucking think that that was niggas that done that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, hell no, nigga. Hell no. 
there. Keep that jolly old saint sick and all that old, all the mother motherfuckers. Yeah, none of them motherfuckers was no niggas. Niggas killed me with that shit trying to make everybody black. Yeah, but that's what that's where we at, you know what I'm saying? We fight we fighting every day for the minds, you know what I'm saying, of, of the youth, man. You know what I'm saying? That's where the war is taking place. Shit. But one thing I know and one thing I respect about that red, black and green, it did is just based on it, it it's going off of strictly history, man. You feel me? That shit gonna hold up to anything. Shit. Truth gonna hold up to anything. You feel me? Shit. Look at its uh, prevalence now, right now, Black Power, anybody else on the line? Want to drop something? Family? Brother Boyd, where you at? I'm here, man. I'm just rolling up, man. One second. It's Brother Boyd. I ain't mad at you. I'll be there shortly. I'll be there. 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 I'll you know, just think about that. Think about that Kwanzaa thing. Maybe you want to just go do some research. And I just started. I just started reading and went into a zone real quick. I apologize for that. Though. Just um, really trying to think about a way to how to incorporate it in a mannerism that I can give it to the youth and that they can stick with it. And I think I've really just got to really push hard for the days of the week. I'm going to find me some. And I, I've seen. Uh, actually, I've seen. Somebody has some, like, cartoon characters named after each day of the week. I shared it so I can go back to it. I don't know exactly who it was. But that's what my, that's what my thoughts was at earlier. Mr. Kabir said, y'all out there, Damn, yeah, I'm here. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know what to say when you said that. I was like, oh, shit. It just brought me back to damn. What I did. Check what you're doing. Ain't nobody talking. Well, Brother Tim kept it flowing, you know, so. Yeah, yeah now that's what I was listening to Brother Tim while I was while I was reading. And then, like, when he stopped, y'all both stopped. So then you, y'all wasn't conversating back and forth. And, like, I, and because I was reading, I didn't really pay attention to the fact that the conversation had ended until you said something, and I realized that it was silence for that long. <laughs> well, you know, Brother Tim, I can't speak for him, but I, I'm going to make that assumption that you know how we are as Africans. We like to share. And, All right. You know what I'm saying? 
That's when I appreciate, you know what I'm saying? I appreciate the family because, you know what I'm saying, it gives a nigga that voice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what? I wanted y'all to hear this. Um, I wanted everybody to listen to this uh, uh, um, Amos Wilson, though. How uh, is this Amos Wilson? Already? Uh, yeah, I got this Amos, Amos Wilson. Right? And I want... Uh, on everybody listening to uh, it's, uh, it's black people's ignorance is their greatest enemy. Y'all seen that one? No, I ain't seen it, bro. I, I don't be. think so. Mm-mm. Put that one, put that on. I'm going to let Amos do something. It's 12, so.
going to be viewing of the bounces of the party, our guest speaker, your brother Bourne, and our brother Sam Kofa. Live performances, food and vendors, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. Doors open at 3 p.m. 30 Hopkins Street, Waterbury, Connecticut. Uh, you need info or ticket, call uh, Brother Hey Rue at 203-841-9039. Again, that's 203-841-9039. Get out there. You know, your brother's going to be there. Uh, you know, we're going to come through and link up. But uh, it's going to be a wonderful day. You know, if you're in the tri-state area, come on out. We ain't going to be far away from you. We're in Waterbury, Connecticut. You know, we're an hour away from the city. An hour away from the city and an hour away from Massachusetts. Uh. That's uh, nice. hour, you know what I mean? An hour and ten minutes. But we're close enough for so y'all to be able to get there. That's what I got. That's the news for right now. That's the news I got out. Um, what else they got going on out there? What y'all got going on out there in Texas, sir? Man, uh, you know, the boy, the boy said he's going to be out here, man. I think that's on the 11th, November 11th. You know, uh, shoot. We just got a lot of man. We got a lot of things, man. We just they just had a. I didn't get to make it last night, man. But they had a big deal going out here, man, for the queens. You know, we got some major queens out here that really ain't about. You know, what I'm saying really trying to have the recognition and be known and shit. But you know, they got they got their recognition last night, man. I want to say peace to the queen, Sister Quate, Dr. Safisha. You know what I'm saying, Black Power. You know what I'm saying? They they pushing the line, been holding that line for a long time out here, man. You know what I'm saying? And uh, shit, last night, you know they they was they was, you know, uh, acknowledged for that. You know what I'm saying? And and showing their appreciation from the family. You know what I'm saying? But uh, even though I couldn't make it, I send my love and appreciation too. You feel me? Send black power. But besides that, you know, we got to, you know, I don't want to say, let me not say that. Let me not say that. Cause today there was a lot of things going on. You know, uh, brother, the Gorilla Mainframe family, they had their community uh, unification day, you know, where they go out in the hood. They, you know, not in just the community. They go out in the goddamn in the hood, man, your family in the gutter. You know what I'm saying, and 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 try to lift our people up, man, and, and show them that they can be protected, that they can protect themselves. You know what I'm saying, and uh, shit, I said shout out to them brothers for doing what they doing. You know, uh, Fort Worth, Lone Star RBG. You know, uh, I think today they had they, you know, they had the market for the youth where where the the youth have started their own businesses and stuff and. And uh, you know they they showing they learning how to how to uh, maintain their businesses, you know, and and through the market, you know, they they get to sell their products to the to the community, you know what I'm saying? 
So that's beautiful shit. They did that today. You know, Black Power to the family out there, Long Star RBG. You know, uh, man, Brother B is going down everywhere, man. You feel me? See, you can't, you can feel it in the air, baby. You know what I'm saying? Going down, man. See, for business. Goddamn me, they better, they better roll with it or get rolled the fuck over, man. You know what I'm talking about? Brother Big Man, I've been on these backwoods, man. <laughs> See, don't come back. But shoot. Let me speak on this, then. You know, everybody, I don't know, everybody quiet. You know, I think everybody probably in their own zone. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to go back to the little book I was read out of earlier. I want to, uh, you know what I'm saying, just read this other little part, man, where he put in what happened in North Carolina in 1858. And we, we know in 1863, five years later, so-called, you know what I'm saying, so-called, uh, you know, freedom or whatever, so-called, you feel me? But uh, in 1858, they still trying to maintain the system of slavery, but they is living in fear, you feel me? This is after Nat Turner, you know what I'm saying? These motherfuckers can't sleep at night, you know what I'm saying? So what do these motherfuckers do, right? In 1858, North Carolina court, evidence was presented in North Carolina court. Um, It was declared to be customary for hired slaves to get 25 cents at the end of each week as an inducement to good behavior, right? So this is the first time niggas can get a little money, you feel me? Get a little change, right? The next year, Judge Manley of his state, North Carolina, handed down a decision in which he implied that the system of rewards was necessary to preserve the system of slavery. Hold up, man. Let me keep on rocking. I don't know where the family at, so fuck it. You know what I'm saying? Shit. We're going to go on over here to where the nigga was talking about. Brother you know Tim, God damn, man. Damn, Brother Tim, I thought I was holding a conversation with you. Man, said, Brother B, I was going to keep I was going to keep Oh, man, my shit on you, man. I've been talking about this fucking Amos Wilson putting this on. I'm thinking that, did I read the bastards of the party thing? What the fuck? Yeah, you been, yeah, yeah, you did. I heard that. Okay, yeah, I don't know how long you've yeah. been on mute. Yeah, bro. Because I thought you was holding the conversation back and forth. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> I, just, I just heard you drop off, brother B. I'm like, damn, where family go? You know, where the family go? Yeah. It just got quiet. <laughs> nah, man, you said that, and I thought it was just, I was like, oh, all right, it's just me and him. So you was like, y'all gonna start reading. I'm like, nah, brother. I'm like, y'all was gonna play this Amos Wilson. And you just oh, kept reading, so I, I thought that maybe you couldn't hear me until just now. I said, oh, all right, nah, something wrong. Yeah, Brother Tim, if you could read the um, that follow-up ruling again for me, man, I'd greatly appreciate it. 
You said what again? What you say, brother? Um, um, the the other ruling in North Carolina, the second one. So after the twenty five, the second one, yeah, which would have been eighteen fifty nine, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Judge Manley of this state handed down a decision in which he implied that the system of rewards was necessary to b- preserve the system of slavery, right? This is the other part, and that the gratuities might be developed to any desired extent without violating either the express law or the general policy of the country. So they're saying that you can pay these niggas, and you know what I'm saying, what they make from it, they won't be able to goddamn me still have no place in the country. You know what I'm saying, right? This is what he basically, this is what he basically fucking saying. You know what I'm saying? He going, let me, let me just get this out, brother B, man, then, then you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? rock, man. But let me, just, let me just read this for the family, though, man. You know what I'm saying? Hello? Go ahead. I'm quiet, man. Okay. So we're going to continue. From these gratuities and rewards and from money received for overtime work, especially among slaves hired or owned in border state factories, you know what I'm saying? You know the border state where it might have been slavery or might have not been slavery or whatever, right, where niggas can go and get a little work, right? Well, here you go. Uh, the money received from overtime work as well as from pennies accumulated by the occasional sale of vegetables and chickens and pigs produced by leisure time labor, Negroes was able to purchase their freedom, right? And thousands of Negroes did actually buy their way to freedom. Among them, several prominent persons like Andrew Bonner, Woo Woo, he know on the name of a few people, you know what I'm saying? Demar uh, Vesey, uh, I see a couple other names on here, you know what I'm saying? I don't recognize, right? Uh, but he's talking about. Um, this made possible these these people that was able to buy their freedom, right? Show gave other people hope. This is what he says. This this made possible a certain elasticity in the slave system. And by creating hope, even if limited, it took the edge off of desperation. It may have made the maintenance of the institution itself somewhat less difficult. See see what I'm saying? Say that shit, my nigga. They created hope, my nigga. Even if limited, it took the edge off of desperation, man. The desperation was um, was what make a nigga goddamn chop their motherfucking funky ass head off. Black power. Black power. Brother Tim, man, I appreciate that, man. Already, bro. I was going to add on real quick to what you said. Um, I'm reading out of uh, American Negro Slave Revolt, and I told you it's the white boy. Herbert after after Kurt, but uh, that you know what I'm saying. I, uh, that that uh, that John here Clark, you know what I'm saying, referred to Bush. So I, I I had to get it. You see what I'm saying? See what he's talking about. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Yo, in 2016, right? The how do you buy yourself out of slavery? Is you don't have to work really pretty much. So the ones that's given the hope are the ones that got enough money to not um or to appear to be um free. Not on the general plantation, everybody else on. Mhm. But what is that though? Automatically, they they find so many ways to make that illegal. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the first thing they're trying the to table. do is try to find a way to make it illegal, my nigga. Shit, that's what the black that's what the black code laws was all about. That had never been took off the board. That's the reason why niggas get locked up for small shit to this day. You know what I'm saying? 
then it's, then that that explains the employment system and how that works with temporary labor. You know, they get a cut, and then the company yep. that's the work for get uh, gets to pay the person uh, less money. I say. And I hear, man, I hear that's one of the main ways that these motherfuckers is doing their hiring now. You feel me? It's through the temp services. Yeah, I was you know going to say that. I was going to say the temp agency is the new, is the, is the new slavery as it's far as It's the new slavery. Age. That's what yeah. it is, bro. That's exactly what it is, bro. You know uh-huh. what I'm saying? That they can pay your ass minimum wage to do a job. You know what I'm saying? Not only pay you minimum wage, but not have to give you no benefits. You see what I'm saying? Not have to give you no medical. You see what I'm saying? I was going to say you keep you on that motherfucker for three months and fire you for any reason. You see what I'm saying? Brother Tim, I work at a spot right now. They got a brother there that's been working there two years as a temp. Still ain't get hired. But he can't afford to not work. Yeah, well, I know out here the law is like three months, you know what I'm saying? But these motherfuckers give you two two months and, and 15, 20 days, and they, they just fire you. They bring you in the next And it's a long line of niggas looking for work. Better take that motherfucking penny. You know what I'm saying? Better take that shit. I was going to say, you can't go through the door at the job itself to apply. You got to go through the agency. That's the only way to get access. I, yeah. That's that's how they doing it. That's how they doing it, bro. And the Mexicans, man, the Mexicans out here just set up the temp agency. You see what I'm saying? So the SA they got the temp agencies where they can they can just hire they folks. You feel me? See, get them in there, nigga. You see what I'm saying? But they can hire niggas. You know what I'm saying? But you know how it's going to go. Shit. <laughs> you know how it's going to go. The white folks got the temp agencies too. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just, I just seeing a rise in the number of essays with the, with the temp agencies. Like, damn, okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, they basically, it's almost a form of unionizing for them, for them to, um, to have the agencies and put their own. That's exactly what it is, bro. So I said, but you can go to any nigga in the, in the USA, man, and ask them if they feel like they still a slave in 2016, man. And only probably maybe less than less than a half of one percent will tell you, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's exactly how they, that's exactly how they would like that shit. Brother Biggie back there, man. What? What'd you say? I'll I'll just see it was you back there. Did your phone go go view again? Uh, no, no, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here right now. <laughs> right now, I'll just listen in. Like I said, I was I was um chewing this up. Let get this drink right.
But uh, without further ado, I'm going to let this truth get out here to our end. Say one of these things, you know, people uh, see that some of the family ain't heard it before, which is a good thing. Good thing. This was the input from my brother Little. Brother Little ain't able to join us in our chat room. But little need more memory for his phone. I say. But he did send this to us. But get out listening to this
it is a political and economic necessity. It is mandatory. And I'm not being rhetorical when I make that statement. We are a rich people, and yet we perceive ourselves as poverty-stricken. But our richness is not as much in our lands as in another place. The ultimate wealth of a people is in their head, in their head, not even in their soils. What do we mean by that? We mean by that the kind of situation we see today, where the people who have the natural wealth in their lands are starving and do not own those lands. And yet people who did not have the lands, did not own the lands, are in control of those lands and in control of the wealth. I've often said somewhat facetiously that perhaps Africans would have been better off economically, politically, and otherwise had we not had the wealth in the African soil. Then we would have been forced to use our minds. The Japanese have no wealth in their soil. They have no natural minerals or anything else. In an objective sense, we should call the Japanese a very dependent nation, but their dependency has not made them poor. They make the people who supply them make them wealthy. Because of what? Because of the consciousness that they project in the world. When you have the right mind, you can con people out of their wealth. You don't have to have any land if you're smart enough to talk other people out of theirs or take other people's land. In other words, then, the ultimate determiner of wealth and power in the world is the mind of the human being. And that is why, then, we are poverty-stricken not because we have not been blessed with wealth, but because we have been robbed of our greatest wealth, which is our mentality and our consciousness as a people. We would have to be out of our minds to be in the condition that we are in today and to be dealing with almost a total reversal of reality that we deal with today, where those who own least, uh, who were given least by nature, are in control of the most. And those who were given most have the least. This can only occur when the minds of those who have least have been twisted and turned backwards and their consciousness falsified. We are not a dependent people, even though we think we are. We've been made to believe we are. And yet, when we talk about our stolen wealth, we're talking about other people who depend on it. When we talk about our enslavement, we're talking about people who depend on our labor. When we talk about the $300 billion or more that we earn, we talk about people who have enriched themselves in terms of how we spend that money. People whose first beeline is to the poor African community in America. 
human race themselves. We are still America's greatest wealth-producing population right now. The issue is not so much what we earn, for if we earn $300 billion, then we must produce trillions, because in a capitalist system, you only get a fraction in terms of earning of what you produce. So we're getting paid $300 billion. We must be producing well over a trillion dollars, which would mean, ladies and gentlemen, that African people in America are one of the world's largest economies. We marvel because a Mike Tyson earns $20 million for a fight without recognizing that if a Mike Tyson is earning that, the fight itself is generating $200 million. And yet we don't ask ourselves, where is the other $180 million? We marvel about some athlete earning 10 or $15 million a year. Well, if that's the case, then that athlete must be worth to his owners $100 million, $150 million a year. We don't ask ourselves what happens to those other hundreds of millions of dollars. We marvel about a Michael Jackson or someone else who's earned 60 or 70 or $100 million. And yet we do not recognize that the American music industry is probably the largest, second largest export industry that this country has. We, we think of music as purely entertainment, but music is a commodity. Black music sells about 60% of the music sold in the world. It outsells other people's native music. It is worth billions of dollars. And yet we're willing to sing for pennies a record. And we're ready, we're willing to give away our major cultural product to other people. We, we trade far more money with this nation than Canada. Don't be deceived because Canada is a large territory that it therefore is worth more money to the United States than a black people. We have worked far more money to this nation than is Mexico, even with the NAFTA agreement. Do not again be deceived because it represents a large land mass. We are to a great extent America's wealth. However, that is rapidly coming to an end. And if we do not transform ourselves within the next five to ten years, we will go into almost irreversible decline and perhaps genocidal demise. We do not have much time, ladies and gentlemen. The nature of the world is changing so rapidly and dynamically. We can no longer debate year in and year out about which way we are going. We must now not only think locally, but we have to think globally. Because the very nature of our local circumstances are being transformed by international circumstances. When you look out of this building and you walk out of these streets and you see Asians, you see Koreans, Arabs, others, this is the result of global changes in the world. People who 
running away from the dislocations in their own economies coming here to America. We're looking at a situation here where the world is being transformed and a new world government is coming into being, where sovereign nations will no longer exist. If you have a bit of time, you should investigate the NAFTA agreements and the so-called GATT agreements. Not only does the so-called NAFTA accord threaten to further unemployed African-American people. But the NAFTA Accords are a major step to where this nation, along with other nations, will cease to operate as sovereign nations within themselves. Where the world essentially will be run by corporations, by a small group of white males with an intermix of Asian males and perhaps a third level of Latino males, but principally European and Asian males who are already setting the world up. Take a little time and investigate the so-called side agreements that were passed over quickly when the discussion about NAFTA took place. What are those side agreements? Why were they not discussed? Why was it required that NAFTA be passed as a whole piece rather than to be debated and passed upon piece by piece. In other words, the U.S. Congress itself of the sovereign United States was told that you must take the whole agreement or none of it. You have no right to take it apart and say, I don't like this or I don't like that, therefore I will not agree with this or I will not agree with that. No, they were told you've got to take the whole thing or nothing at all, and you've got to do it by a particular period of time, which meant, ladies and gentlemen, that the so-called citizens of the United States, through their elected representatives, lost all rights to really debate a major economic agreement that would transform their economic and political circumstances. It meant then that the United States courts and other United States tribunals and bodies could not pass upon legislation that would transform the economic uh, atmosphere and transform the whole geography of the nation. Those people whose jobs would be destroyed, those people whose jobs would be exported, would have nothing to say through their representatives about an agreement that was doing this to them. Some of the side agreements indicate that the rules about trade and, and differences concerning trade would not be arbitrated in the courts of the United States, would not be arbitrated in the Supreme Court, or would not be arbitrated in the legislatures of the United States, would be, be uh, arbitrated by an international tribunal in secret session. And the ruling of these tribunals would supersede the ruling of the nations themselves. So consequently then, the so-called governmental agencies that you think you're voting for and that you think are representing your interests will not be able to rule in your favor in terms 
of the ruling and the arbitrations of these tribunals. So what do we have going on here? A structuring of the world by corporate elites. Because who's in whose interest is the GATT agreement operating? Who will be doing the trading? You, me, or the corporations? So whose agreements and who is agreeing? We are dealing with Mexico, which is run by about 17 families. An oligarchy, not a democracy. An oligarchy that was embarrassed here last week by that area that is soon going to be taken over by a small group of people. That area whose lands will be ripped out from under the natives so that they may enter into a trade with the elites in America. If you had a chance, did you check out the GATT agreement? Another interesting thing there, too. And really check out the struggle that went on between France and the United States that people thought was tripped up, were trivial. Where the United States was literally telling France, look, our movies sell well in France. Our movies sell better than the French movies do. Why not give up your industry? Forget about French culture. Buy American culture. We deliver it to you for a cheaper price. Why not give your consumers what they want? And the French said no. But they're telling the French, you have no right to subsidize your cultural industries or to subsidize your actors and actresses and so forth. The only right you have to do is to swing your doors open and let your nation be flooded by American products. But even more ominous was the struggle between the French and the Americans over farming. The French who are, who are subsidizing their farmers, maintaining their farmers. The United States tells them, you have no right to subsidize your farmers. You must create an open and free market. And if the farm products of the United States are much cheaper than the farm products produced by French farmers, then too bad. If it means ultimately that France would have no farmers, so what? It's better for the world. You should buy U.S. food. What kind of nation, even if it has to pay more for its food, would decide to give up a very basic industry? like farming, and place its very livelihood and place its provisioning in terms of food in the hands of the international market. Only a Negro nation would do that. And the French told them, we're not going to do it. The same struggle went on with the Japanese. The United States saying what? Throw your farmers out of business. We have cheaper rights. And the Japanese say, but we value our farmers and we value their being employed. What difference does it make? We are talking about a free trade system here. And if people are thrown out of business, so be it. And so these are the things that are occurring behind so-called gap agreements. 
behind NAFTA agreements and other agreements. And it is time, African ladies and gentlemen, that you begin to study these issues simply because they are talks between white men and so forth and Asian men and simply because the terms may not be readily familiar does not mean that they have nothing to do with you. They have everything to do with you. You must recognize that with these so-called agreements, Africa and African people are being isolated out of the world market. For instance, in this GATT agreement, the people who run the textile industries in South Carolina and in North Carolina, the industries where some of your relatives, I'm sure, may be employed, an industry that employs a large number of African Americans, these people who ran those industries had to struggle with the American negotiators to protect those textile mills for another 10 years. But after 10 years, the agreement is that the textiles from China and other parts of the world will be permitted a free-flowing market in America, and therefore the American textile industry will probably disappear to be around no longer. And that means the African Americans and other people who are employed in those industries will be unemployed. In fact, many of the industries that will be wiped out by so-called free trade are the very industries where the bulk of African Americans are employed today and at this moment. So these are not abstract talks between white men and Asian men and other men. These are talks that have direct effects on our lives as a people. And we should know what they are. It is a shame any way that we let People who are less than 5% of the globe determine the economic destiny of the globe. That a bunch of men who call themselves men, black men who call themselves men, but who are at heart total cowards, will let another bunch of white boys determine their economic destiny. Have meetings among themselves and determine how we shall live. What group of real men have their highest aspirations as that involving being employed by the men of another ethnic group? The amazing situation that black men have seen themselves as the permanent second bananas of white men who are getting angry. You hear a book out here now talked about the anger of the successful Negroes. <laughs> you know, you should be angry. You should be angry with yourself. You're angry because the white boys are not letting you in. Quite a shame. Why aren't you creating your own industry? But let's look again at the NAFTA. Where were the Afro-Caribbean nations in that agreement? Where was the African? Where were the African nations during that agreement? Let's look at the GATT agreement. Where does Africa fit in those agreements? What you have going on here, ladies and gentlemen, is almost a total isolation of African people across the whole diaspora. You have a NAFTA agreement which is essentially a club between
States and Canada. And the members of this club are giving each other special privileges, privileges that will be denied other people who are not members of the club. They will get special discounts, access to special markets, special protections, special financing, and other kinds of things because they are members of the NAFTA club. And yet we see no African nations and no people who are part of that. You talk about trading with Africa. You talk about trading with the Caribbean nations. What is going to happen when you decide to trade with the Caribbean nations and trade with the African nations and find out that you cannot enter into the kind of trade you want to because the methods you have chose to, chosen to trade run against the NAFTA agreement? That the United States has agreed with the Mexicans or agreed with the Canadians that certain products outside of their club cannot be imported into the, into the country. Or that products that are imported into the country must be taxed in some special sort of way. And yet you're a part of the so-called nation. You talk about trade. You talk about exporting materials to Africa, but what if the materials or the services you plan to export to Africa run up again against NAFTA agreements? This is what we're talking about here, ladies and gentlemen, serious issues. It is time for African-American people to get over our ignorance. You've got to read more than books written by black folks because the books have, are not covering enough territory. You cannot let yourself be deceived by people who tell you simply because books are written by white folk, you should not read them. White folk don't write every book to deceive black folk. They don't write every book with you in mind. <coughs> Why do black people have problems reading? Because they're not taught well in school? Not really. The problems black people have with reading have, have, uh, has nothing to do with academia. What are we saying here? The problem that we have with reading as a people is a political problem that expresses itself in school as an academic problem. What do I mean by that? I mean by that that there is so much information in America, real information, factual information, information everywhere you look, free-flowing information. So in order for us to be ignorant, we have to will ourselves to be ignorant. In a sense, we must be dumb in America in order not to take advantage of the information available to us. In other words, there is so much information available that if we truly could read as a people, and I'm not talking about technical reading, there are those who have great vocabularies who still can't read. We truly must not be interested in reading in order for 
of this information to flow around us the way it does. In other words, we have to fall asleep over our books. We have to get headaches when we read. We have to like interest in reading. We have to, if we are men, see reading as a feminine activity, as something that we are not supposed to do, as something that's exclusively the right of white boys. In other words, these kinds of attitudes must be psychologically and politically induced in the black mind so that whites can enjoy freedom of speech and lay out every means, line by line and chapter by chapter, of how they rule African people and maintain us in subordination. This is what it's about, and it's here, and it's available for us. And yet we are not availing ourselves to the information. We are entering into an age now where the wars are not the wars so much which involve military might, but what we call econo-wars. Wars of economy, where nations will be defeated and destroyed as effectively by their economic positions and struggles as they used to be defeated in terms of military struggles. Ronald Reagan and the white conservatives made up their minds years ago that they would destroy Russia, not in terms of dropping bombs on Russia, but that they would spin Russia into the ground. And what they would do would keep escalating the cost of weapons and keep escalating military budgets. And as the Russians sought to keep up with them in military spending, ultimately, Russia would collapse economically, and that is exactly what happened, and the Russian Empire fell apart, and today Clinton is in Russia getting ready to feed on that nation like vultures. And the Eastern Europeans, who were a part of the so-called Warsaw Pact, now want to join NATO. Why? Because of the wars of economics. And these nations are now teaming up to make war against African nations and African people. We can talk then about the regional agreement between Asian nations, and African nations are not a part of those agreements. We can talk about the regional agreements in Latin America. They are now setting up Chile, and they're now setting up Argentina to be the next members of the NAFTA Accords. In other words, ultimately, the United States will wrap in the whole of Central and South America into the NAFTA Club, along with Canada. Where are the Caribbean Africans in this situation? In other words, then, we see, we see Europe creating a community of nations, and we see ultimately Europe uniting with Eastern Europe and the other parts of Europe. We will ultimately see Islamic nations creating economic blocks. And where then are the African blocks? And where is the Pan-African economic system? We got Negroes over here singing, we shall overcome, and talking about they're a part of some multicultural society, and talking about diversity in the workplace. Getting over ethnicity. And the whole world is combining in terms of ethnicity. But this is the game. This is the game we've fallen for. Century after century, people talking one thing and doing another. And now we 
seen that the African Americans are being isolated in this very nation. We are now more segregated in this nation than we were in the 1920s. You read here recently that the level of segregation of black children, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, is now at its, in, in schools is now back at its 1960s levels. We have reached the point where the black male is essentially economically obsolete and useless. And this is at the bottom of this war that's getting ready to develop on the black male. I warned you in black, on black violence that this whole issue about crime in the black community was but a setup, a rationalization for the genocidal attack against the black community. I warned you in black, in, on black violence that if you really looked at the statistics, the greatest crooks and criminals in America are American white men that this nation is a criminal nation. It is a supreme mafia. You heard me say that earlier. You heard me say that this nation has been at the center of wars that have destroyed within the 20th century some 167 million people. And yet they have convinced you that the threat to the world is the black male. And the black drug dealer, as if the threat to the life of the world is in the hands of black men. You can have 10,000 black men on these streets every night mugging 100 people apiece, and you would never begin to equal the number of people killed and destroyed by white males. But yet they are convincing you that a black male is a criminal. And what am I saying then? In order for us to be in the condition we're in, we have to literally be turned backwards. The victims of criminality have to be made to appear to be the criminals, and the criminals made to appear to be victims. When you talk about drug addiction, you're made to think that this is a major problem in the black community, and it is, but it's much more a major problem in the white community. Definitely. Why are we made to believe that we are the bulk of the drug addicts? Why are we made to believe that we, we generate the bulk of violent crime? In every criminal category, you will see that white males outrank black males. Just as in every welfare category, you will see white folk far exceeding black folk in numbers. In every area where people talk about entitlements, you will find that it is the white middle class and the white upper class that gets the largest bulk, bulk of government money. But yet when you hear the term uh, entitlement programs, you automatically think of black folk. And yet when you hear the terms of welfare, you automatically think of black folk. And yet, when you hear the term of violence and criminality, you automatically think, what? Black folk. Yet, whites are not unfamiliar with the actual figures. They have them. It means then, ladies and gentlemen, when a people ignores a set of facts, when they insist in 
some people in our community who believe that if they keep telling white folks the truth, they're going to transform the American situation. We're going to talk truth to power. You're going to talk truth to power, all right, and get crushed for talking it. Why didn't the people tell the emperor he had no clothes? <laughs> because they recognized that telling him the truth placed them in danger. Only a naive child would talk truth and get away with it. So the issue is not about truth and telling white folks the truth of African history, the truth of our contributions to America, the truth of our great ancient past. For these people are not going to give up their privileges and wealth and power merely because they learned that you are Egyptian or because you've contributed to American wealth or these other things. It's too addictive for that. They will say, so what? Good for you. <laughs> we are still holding on to what we got. And if you get in the way of what we got, we will crush you, Egyptian past or not. So the idea is then that you're going to have a truth crusade that will rescue you from the subordination to white power is an illusion and one you should rapidly get over. We're dealing here then, as I mentioned, with the uselessness of the African male and the fact that this system no longer has a place for the African male except for prison. And this, of course, is demonstrated by the fact that this white legislature is willing to pass a bill that spends $22 billion to build 10 additional federal prisons and to contribute to the building of prisons in state. It is willing to add 47 to 52 new laws that require the death penalty. It adds on to its many statutes a requirement that states treat 13-year-old black males and 13-year-olds as adults and that they lay on them mandatory sentences so that they can spend lifetimes in prison. They have lowered the treatment, the age of treatment, so that, in a sense, they can literally pick up young men out on the street in their, not hardly even into their teens and lock them in the jails for the rest of their lives. So the issue here then is not an issue whether black boys are need to be trained into jobs and so forth. The issue is that the American economy is being transformed in such a way that there are few, if any, jobs for black men. It means, ladies and gentlemen, that the African American community must become a creator of jobs for its own people. Sidney Wilhelm said in the book, a seminal book which you cannot find, but an excellent book, Who Needs the Negro, written back in 1967, a classic book. The Negro becomes a victim of neglect as he becomes useless to an emerging economy of automation. With the onset of automation, the Negro moves out of his historical state of oppression into one of uselessness. We don't have time to talk about that phrase, you see. But America will become less overtly racist to the point where we become less useful to it. In other words, we're not going to block you from having freedom to do things, but the deal is you won't have money to do it. 
know, you know, we, we're going to create spare everything, except the situation is you won't be in a position to take advantage of it. So the issue then won't be so much our oppression and overt racist oppression, but our absolute uselessness in an automated society, in a global economic system. In fact, the issue now has moved to a degree beyond racism, to a degree having to deal with the economic structuring of the world and of the society. He goes on to say, increasingly, he is not so much economically exploited as he is irrelevant. The tremendous historical change is taking place in these terms. He is not needed. He is not so much oppressed as unwanted. Not so much as wa- not so much unwanted as unnecessary. Not so much abused as ignored. The dominant whites no longer need to exploit the black minority. His automation, as automation proceeds, it will be easier for the former to disregard the latter. In short, white America, by a more perfect application of mechanization and a vigorous, vigorous reliance upon automation, disposes of the Negro. Consequently, the Negro transforms from an exploited labor force into an outcast. The Negro's anguish does not rise only out of brutalities of past oppression. The anxiety stems more than ever before out of being discarded as a waste product of technological production. This is the world that we are facing. And therefore, being caught up in terms of racism is an obsolete fact. It is time now to deal with the economic and social realities of the world. Negroes here who were duped into the whole generation of stupid struggle. We have Jesse Jackson out here claiming to be speaking in terms of violence. We've got an old leadership group of people here who are principally responsible for the violence that is occurring in the black community, pretending to be dealing with it. For it was, in, it was their decisions made in the 40s, the 50s, and the 60s, and the 70s that created the kind of community that our youngsters must contend with today. Our youth did not make these neighborhoods. Our youth are not making the world that they live in. And yet we spend a great deal of time analyzing them and their music without analyzing ourselves as adults and looking at the decisions we made in the 60s and 70s that place our youth in the kind of situation they face today. And we cannot say that we were not warned. As a matter of fact, W.E.G.B. Du Bois warned in W.A.C.B. as far back as 1934 when he told them that blacks would be segregated for decade upon decade, and therefore the W.A.C.B need to promulgate an economic program for African people in terms of where they were in the American culture. And if African-American people were segregated in the American culture, then African-American people needed to develop an economic system based on their segregated reality. He was thrown out of the NAACP for that reason. And he told them then in 19, 
that the major struggle in America is not the struggle for for political democracy, but for economic democracy. For you can have political democracy. You can vote if you want to, but you can still be poverty-stricken. You can vote if you want to, but you will still have no power. As uh, Robert Allen in his book, he talks about uh, what is it, black cap- the Black Awakening in Capitalist America. He makes this statement that too many of us still believe that democracy works the way it is described in school textbooks. That is, that political power is based on the will of a majority of the people in a given geographical area. He goes on to say, but political power in America is dependent on those who control valued resources and critical institutions, not vice versa. And those who have and those who have this power cannot be voted out of their positions by the public at large, because the base of their power lies outside of the formal political sphere. Their base of power lies in the corporations and the large public institutions, which are interdependent but largely removed from the sway of public pressure. What did I just get through saying? The people that will run the global economic system and control the politics of America are not people who run for office. The heads of multinational corporate systems don't run for office. You don't vote on their election to their offices, yet it is those very people who, turn, who, who, who determine the political and economic destiny of people. And yet you've got a group of people, even on the radio station you revere so much, that tell you voting is your key to power. Voting is not a key to power. And we've got a joker in South Africa who's running the same game on the South African people going to run a game on African-American people claiming that they got a multi-ethnic, multicultural society who are going to probably mix their diplomatic missions with blacks and colors and African or whites so that they can impress on the world that they have achieved diversity in the world. When the ownership of, the, of production and the ownership of land and wealth will remain as much in the hands of whites as it has ever remained. And you will think because you have elected a Nelson Mandela to be the president that you represent the taking over of South Africa by black people. If you believe that, you believe in the tooth fairy. You have never seen any multicultural, multi-ethnic nation rise to the top in the struggles of the world. You've only seen ethnic nations and nations based on ethnicity. But you want to fall asleep to some swan song. And Nelson Mandela should know better. He has the whole history of Africa before him. When other African jokers told their people that if they control the legislatures of their nations, and if they elected the heads of their government, that meant that they were free and in control of their nations. And yet today, as I told you earlier, 
Africa is frozen out of economic development with its African heads of nations and its African legislatures. Why? Because they did not see the first things first. And the first thing in a revolutionary change is that the revolutionary people take control of their lands and their wealth, or otherwise they have no real power. And power in America is not the power of the vote, but the power of the ownership of resources and the ownership of labor and control of labor. For when you own these things, you can buy the vote, and you can buy the elected officials voted into office by the people. You want a true example? If you read a few months ago, you would have seen your great Major Owens and your great Jenkins from, from uh, New Jersey and some other black politicians of the black caucus being wined and dined in South Korea, having to meet the presidents of South Korea, meeting the president of uh, the largest corporations over there, attending uh, seminars on race harmony. What are we, what's going on here, ladies and gentlemen? These people whose trips were sponsored by a Korean pastor who pastors a black congregation in Nyack, New York, sponsored by the Koreans in America. What do you think is going on? You think because you voted for these people, they are going to see about your interest when another people is whining and dining them and toasting them and contributing to their campaigns and so forth? If you do, you're out of your mind. But this is the way politics is played, not by voting. You're deceived by a bourgeois class, a bourgeois class that is wedded to the Democratic Party, that has got the few crumbs that it has from being attacked to the Democratic Party. That's why it cannot create an independent black party. you got the owners of your radio stations and other stations preaching to you about voting day in and day out. Why? Because they gained their privileges because they were voted into office by black people and used their being voted into office to parlay into the ownership of a bit of property. And therefore, they want black people in America to believe that electing them to office represents the path of freedom for the masses of the people. And consequently, then, they educate you about voting, but do not educate you about the reality of power in America. They make you think, then, that their power represents the power of the people. This lesson, these lessons are too clear, but people who don't read, People who do not know the power of the word will all have all of this information right in front of them and perish. And we'll end it here. So, yes, we're going to talk a little bit then about what's going on. In other words, this key struggle in America is the struggle for economic democracy. That means African people must come to own large and substantial portions of America. Not just moms and pop stores in Harlem, but we must, if these corporations are going to so-called rule the world, then we must be an intricate part, and an integral part 
of these corporations. We either must be a part of their ownership or we must destroy them one way or the other. When and how these corporations decide to move the world in terms of their interests, then African people must be a part of that decision-making process. And that means then the ownership of production in America, the ownership of production in Africa, the ownership of production in other parts of the world must belong to a good extent with African people. So we're talking about a broad and grand economic program here because it is only through this kind of program that we can salvage our very lives as a people.
the people who are into selling colored shirts are in trouble. That means that your very moral decision determines a market. But those people who sold the white uniforms are into it. In other words, then, when your moral system tells you to eat this and don't eat that, then those people who sell what you don't eat have problems. But those who sell you what who sell you what you say you should eat are into the money. You don't make moral decisions separate from economic decisions. You don't choose values that are separate from everything else that goes on in the society. So when people start talking to you about choosing values, they are talking about a means of socially controlling your behavior. And when whites tell you about traditional family values and traditional American values, they're talking about those kind of values where you say, I'm poor and I'm in need, but I'm too proud to ask for welfare. So that way you'll die filled with values. And the American public, which has robbed you in the first place, won't have to pay a nickel for you. Yes, that's what traditional values are. Traditional values tell you that you can let another people starve you and cut off your lifeline, take total control of your economic system, but you're such a law-abiding citizen. You won't take control of your own wealth and you'll starve to death because you're a good Negro. The major reason why Africa, America, is in the trouble it is today is because of good, law-abiding, church-going Negroes. Yes. Who do not realize that there's no such thing as a sacred law, but a, a game that's run on the people who make the law as a means of manipulating and robbing from other people. That's what it's about. So when you become law-abiding, you agree to the rules of the game. And if the rules of the game mean that those who are in control legitimize their thievery, you will go along with that theft of your very life and property because you want to claim how law-abiding you are. And someone has told you to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's when Caesar stole it from you in the first place. And someone told you not to see color and not to choose, and that to choose to take care of your own children and to spend money so that your own children can benefit first is reverse racism. So that you feel guilty when you spend with a black person and you feel inflated and morally pure when you give your money to other people and you feel that you're doing God's will. And yet it goes against the very morality that you should know that those who receive charity should be those who are in need of it most. And if you looked hard at your own situation, you would recognize that black children and black people are in need of your wealth more than any other people. But somebody's got you thinking that to give your wealth to people who are already rich, to not pay any attention to how you spend your money, is an example of Christian charity and morality. And therefore, following this moral structure, you've created neighborhoods overrun with the kind of problems that we talk about here today. Negroes who talk about that they're individuals and that they're doing their own thing 
Isn't that interesting? We talk about individualism, right? That means that we're supposed to be uniquely different. If we're so uniquely different, why do we buy millions and millions of three-liter bottles of Pepsi-Cola? <laughs> why do we buy millions of pairs of Timberland shoes? Well, all these individuals who have such different tastes and joints. <laughs> why do we buy millions and millions of the same types of clothes, the same type of food, the same type of entertainment, the same type of music? What are we talking about? Who are these individuals who have such separate choices that they end up buying all over and over again the same products, millions upon millions upon millions of the same products, saying they're doing their own thing, and I'm an individual expressing my own taste? <laughs> you must be joking. You're no individual. No such thing as individualism. It's a joke that the white man runs on you. You say these other people are individuals? Well, tell me this. Why is it that 180 million white individuals decide that they won't spend a nickel with you? If they are so free, and if they are so different, and if they are so unique, and if they do all their things, and if they, you know, then why is it a good chunk of them don't spend money with black people? Where is this individual choice? Where is this individual choice when 7 or 8 million Asians will walk 10 miles around not to put a nickel in your hand, and yet they come and sell you everything they got. Where is this individualism, ladies and gentlemen? Where is this individualism in Detroit when Arabs can own the infrastructure of that city and Negroes spend money after money with them and they not spend a dime and they treat them like dogs? But we are individuals. We're doing our own thing. We're not a monolithic race. I believe in diversity. You're the only one that believes in it, too. Because, ladies and gentlemen, we are a de facto nation in America. Black people are the most segregated people on the American continent. We're even segregated in our suburbs. Only a small percentage of black people really live in what you call mixed neighborhoods. We're locked in these ghettos, and yet we're pretending that we're some kind of diverse culture. America literally has imprisoned us, and yet, unlike W.E.B. Du Bois or Booker T. Washington, we still hesitate to drop our buckets where we are and to operate as a nation. country is not a whole country in the sense we think of it as it is a nation of nations. You have the white American nation. You have the Arab American nation, the Korean American nation. Each of these ethnic groups essentially is a nation to itself. And they relate to each other the way nations relate to each other in the international sense. What do I mean by that? You hear the struggle that goes on between the United States and Japan, where the Japanese take advantage of the free market of America, so-called free market, sell in the American market, but build walls around their own country and block trade from the United States in, in, in Japan. Therefore, the Japanese earn, ton, earn tons of money from the United States 
appropriates that money and uses that money to advance its economic growth and to compete with the United States. This is what nations do. This is what nations are about. Clinton went to Seattle a few weeks ago to lick the Chinese ass. <laughs> For what reason? Because the Chinese and the Southeast Asians are literally locking them out of their markets. And they are trying to find ways to break into the markets. We have a region here that within maybe 15 to 20 years will be the primary region in the world and have the largest market in the world, whose purchasing power will surpass that of Japan within the next 10 years, and whose economic dominance will be larger than that of the United States and Europe. And this is what the white boys are dealing with over there. And these people do not even need white money to advance their interests. Little Taiwan sits there with $215 million of investable money. Hong Kong sits there with $235 billion of investable money. You can go to Indonesia with $46 billion. You can look at uh, Thailand with something like $30 billion. You're looking at a region with some $800 billion that it can invest in its economic growth and development. You can look at the Chinese economy, which today is the third largest economy, and it's predicted by the Wall Street Journal, will by 2015, if this country does not derail it or steal from it, will be the largest economy in the world, growing at 12% today. This is what you're dealing with here. These are nations. And how do they do what they do? We're going to come back to that in a minute. But they operate as nations. That means that they try to take as much advantage of other people's markets, philosophies, and the structure of other people's markets while doing what? Protecting their own. This is the way nations do it. When you then look at the Koreans or others in this country, you will see that they practice exactly the same political economy as does Japan, which means what? That they take advantage of the free and open markets of the African-American nation, sell in that nation, create wealth in that nation's market, export that wealth to their own and block any access to their own market by African Americans. And use then that exported wealth to continue to invest in the African American community, but ultimately to invest in the large American economy and to invest into the national and international economy and to fund the growth and development of their own native nations. This means then that African Americans have a political and economic ideology. You see, if we looked at ourselves as a nation, we would see that we have, as a nation, a political and economic strategy and an ideology. Hello, I'm Gavin from the Sloma Guys. Tide recently challenged us to ruin a brand new lab coat. A political and economic strategy and an ideology. And we've had it over historical time. We believe in open markets, free markets, right? Yet we believe in that mythology because this is what we were taught in Economics 101. 
greatest lies told in America are the lies around economics. Yes. We believe in being fair, so we're going to be an example to other people. What does that mean then? That we're going to open our markets and not prohibit them to enter our markets based on race or any other thing. See, that's reverse racism. We believe that people should be free to invest anywhere they feel like investing without regard to race, color, creed. This is what they teach Negroes. Despite the fact that this is not how the world operates in reality. This is the ideology of black folk. And this ideology then permits other nations and people to invade the African-American markets and take advantage of those markets. But they don't have that belief in regard to their own. They believe that they should be in control of their markets. They believe that they should not leave it open for everyone else to come in. Therefore, what happens? They gain access to the African-American market, and they retain access to their own market. And not only that, they block African-American entrepreneurs from access to their own people. And now we're wondering why we're suffering the way we do. But it's because we as a nation have a self-defeating economic ideology. Because we believe Horatio Alger myth that people come in and they wash dishes for 20 years and save up that little money. And then they get a little store. And from that, they build a chain of stores. Now, this is kind of economic philosophy we've been taught. We've been taught that this is a free market where money talks and bullshit walks. You know what I'm saying? America has never had a free market. It has never had an open market. Never. Black people have never been a part of an open market or a free market or a market system. A free market or an open market would be a market where trade and exchange takes place purely on the basis of value, where the buyer trades and with the seller purely on the basis of price and worth of those things that are being traded. Nothing else is taken into consideration. In other words, in a free and pure market economy, you have an impersonality, only money talks. But as soon as someone decides to sell or not sell because you are a different color or raise the price because you are a different color or deny loans because you are a different color or deny access to the market and so forth, you are not in a market economy. You are not in a free market at all. And you have never been in one. And yet, you want to project your own market ideology as one of free and open markets where you permit other people free access. You must understand that the white man rules and orders the society in terms of the economic system. It is by means of control of the economic system that he has that he creates class and racial differences and that he disciplines the whole nation in terms of firing or not firing in terms of raise, wage, and salary differentials, in terms of lending or not lending, in terms of information or not information, and by that means he orders and structures and determines the nature of the social system. And therefore, that kind of power that's given 
uh, his control, that that he uh, from which he gains his control cannot be freely given to any other people. It is not free for all commerce. It means then that those who wield power in America and who will wield power in America must wrest control of this economic system from this person. The same way they wrest economic control from the Native Americans when they came here. Let me read you just a quick thing here. We, our time is running. For these Negroes who believe in uh, competition, capitalists are the most uncapitalistic people in the world. They do not believe in competition. They believe in destroying competition. They believe in creating what? Monopolies. They believe in gaining complete control. It's never been about free competition. It's been about power and control. Now let's look at what has been practiced here quickly in terms, and this comes from uh, Theodore Cross's Black Power Imperative. I can't read them all here, but he lays out an interesting chart. He says, for 300 years, the American colonies, the state and the federal government allotted untold billions of dollars of public wealth exclusively to members of the white race. And then they preached the Negroes that you're not supposed to ask for anything from the government. But ladies and gentlemen, the wealth that whites have today is the result of the government handing to them free land and and free labor, by the way. Not competition. Not people washing dishes and saving pennies and, you know, buying this and that, but by people who use the government itself as a means of enriching themselves. In 1675, the Massachusetts Bay Colony seized plantation rights in six square mile tracts to worthy individuals. The population of that colony included black slaves as well as free blacks. Neither were treated as worthy individuals eligible for land grants. The government was what? Giving away land. Maryland and Virginia in, 18, in 1683 established 50 acre land grants to settlers who paid their own way across the Atlantic. Blacks were given a free ride in slave ships and thus were not eligible for grants. 1785, the Federal Ordinance of 1785 authorizes the sale of 640-acre tracts to settlers for $1 per acre. As slaves, blacks were legally prohibited from owning property. Where's your free market system, ladies and gentlemen? Where's your open market system that you have been taught to believe in? Why are you letting other people walk into your neighborhood because you believe in some antiquated and never real, real economic ideology? Because you're not taught the real history of America and not, not gained the real knowledge of America. Because you see, studying economic history and economics is a dull situation. You'd rather goose your neck in subway trains listening to music that hypnotizes you and drives you out of your mind. In 1850, the beginning of the massive federal land grant program for private railroad companies, outright awards of 130 million acres frequently include property for 20 miles on either side of roadbed. Those lands later found to contain billions of dollars of petroleum and mineral reserves. Black businessmen never considered qualified to acquire, finance, or operate. Railroad 
price his competitors right out of the market. He came in control of the refineries and manipulated prices. He used actual gangs and armies to destroy his competitors and to destroy people and to destroy labor. These men fought over the New York Central Railroad and the railroads going from here to Albany with fists and clubs and guns. Okay? And yet you think going to some college class where they're drawing price and equilibrium curves is going to get you some economic power in the world. And you think by keeping your nose clean and by being non-racial and non-ethnic, you're going to come and save yourself and get power in the world. You've got another thought coming. And after a while, you won't be able to think at all. Yes, you got to face the reality. You didn't make the world. It's a nasty, mean, dirty, low-down world. All right? And you're going to have to get in it and wrestle and get dirty with it. That's what it's about. Okay? But that's why they pump you with morality and churchism and spiritism, you see, so that you won't deal with the reality for what it is. In allocating places and opportunities according to race, rather than marriage, whites in the United States have used the full armory of coercive weapons commonly employed by the traditional combination of restraints of trade. No nation, what are you talking about, Japan, Germany, or any other nation, any other group of nations, has ever made it into the economic top echelon playing by the rules. None of them. None of them. They've always operated in terms of protecting their markets and getting a free ride on other people's markets. The Koreans are doing the same thing to you. The Arabs are doing the same thing. Whites have done the same thing and still doing the same thing. Every immigrant group comes in with the same strategy. Every immigrant nation do what? Protect their own and get a free ride on African Americans. That's what it's about. The United States defeated Britain and, and, and sent Britain into economic decline because the British, who were so arrogant about their uh, manufacturing progress, decided that they would throw their markets open and deal in free trade. And the United States, for 150 years, protected its own markets and protected its own industrialists with high tariffs and taxes, while it sold to Britain and while it sold to other nations in the world. And, and grew to the point where it passed Britain in economic development. And Britain went into a decline for which it is yet to recover. And the Japanese are into the same game with the United States. And the Asians are into the same game with the United States. This is what the deal is about. If you see yourself as a nation, then you can see how the game is to be played. And then you learn the strategies by means of which it will be paid. But if you're just living your own individual dream, You'll never get it, and, you, and the dream is going to fall apart, just like Les Brown's dream fell apart. <laughs> yes. You're going to learn that there's some other people dreaming besides you, buddy. And sometimes your dream clashes with theirs. Okay? Individual success is determined by the social structure in which they operate. Individuals cannot succeed by themselves. I do not care how much brain they have, determination they have, 
dreams they have, they must operate in an economic structure, a social structure that allows them to achieve their dreams. If that social and economic structure did not exist, they could dream all they want to. They will never get anywhere. In other words, then, individual success is social success. And individual success is created by a national or societal structure, not by individuals dreaming alone and pursuing their own self-interested dreams without regard to other individuals. But this is what we are told. We are told to do your own thing. Well, that's auto-eroticism. Eroticism, isn't it? <laughs> that's masturbation. Isn't that what that is? <laughs> yeah, do your own thing, you know. In other words, to do your own thing requires cooperation from some other folk. Yes. To even do your own thing as an individual requires what? Other people. Yes. You can't do your own thing by yourself. And so the most primal need of the human being for sexuality, for love, cannot be done totally by the individual themselves. They must enter into some kind of relationship with other people. One of the interesting things I find about individuals is they have, um, they have an inherent tendency to form groups. <laughs> you know, you think about it, we got it here. We got so much here. But what we need here in the end and what am I trying to say in the end? That your strength lies in your ethnicity. Your strength lies in your African consciousness. Consciousness is also an instrument of power. It's not just about knowing your African history or knowing yourself. Consciousness is the means by which an individual determines his or her behavior, you see. And the things used by consciousness, thinking, reasoning, information processing, and the values that are part of that consciousness are the means by which the individual negotiates his way or her way in the world. You understand what I'm saying? It is through consciousness that you adapt to the world and adapt the world to yourself. And therefore, since consciousness guides behavior, since consciousness enables the individual to do various things, consciousness is an intelligence and consciousness is a power. The thing about consciousness, though, is that it can be socialized, meaning that consciousness that can be created by the nature of the interaction that the individual has with other people. And what has happened then is in interacting with whites and Europeans, we have uh, been inculcated with a Eurocentrically generated consciousness. And once that consciousness has been imposed upon us, and since it is an instrument of power, it means then that the Europeans have power over us through the consciousness that they created in us. You can then only escape from European power by developing an African-centered consciousness based on African-centered values, you see, because if consciousness guides behavior, if, if values guide behavior, then if those values are your own, 
And if that consciousness is, is your own, then people with another consciousness and another set of values cannot control how you behave. Understand? That is why African-centered consciousness frightens them to death, because they recognize that their whole social order is built upon the consciousness that they have inculcated into African people and is built upon the values which direct that consciousness. And that means then if African people begin to follow the lead of African values and follow the lead of an African consciousness, the social order that is built upon their having a Eurocentric consciousness will collapse and fall apart. You must understand what this means. We got to do it here. I got to let you go. Maybe we'll finish this on another day. Thank you for your attention. Oh, we don't want you to go anywhere right now. Uh, here you go. Professor Amos Wilson came out here. Got a good understanding of, uh, of, of, of marketing, how stuff is marketed, and that's what he's trying to give to the people, you know what I'm saying? To show to the people, like, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> like, some of that, like, ain't no free market, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Can't be no free market. He says that was some real shit. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just saying open. None of this shit is open to everybody. Does it? You know, it's equality out here. You treat me like I treat you. No, we the only one who treat people better than they treat us. Yep. Yeah. Like they done taught us that if you treat them like that, they'll treat you better. See, and that's that bullshit. You know what I'm saying? 
But I, I, I'm, I'm going to go back and listen to that one again, man. I, I think, you know what I'm saying, I just like the way he broke that down as far as, <clears throat> as far as letting you know, you know what I'm saying, that shit, it ain't no other way but to try to get, get our own, you know what I'm saying? Like like one day he said, uh, you ain't even talking about revolution if you ain't talking about figuring out how you can sustain yourself and shit, you know what I'm saying? Trying to make your own stuff, make your own this, make your own that. See, that's 100 shit. Well, that was that. That was that. Bob Amos Wilson, Black Power. Black Power. So I heard somebody else chiming in. Well, well, we're going to end this thing off tonight, man. It was a wonderful show, man. Definitely thank everybody for coming out tonight to Slaughterhouse Saturday. It was a good show. Uh, um, we had a nice amount of calls on the line. It'll slim down at the end of the show, you know. But um, we like to go out the same way that we come in. That's where the praise and that turn of glory to go. I'll be going to the spirit of Dr. Khaled Abdul Muhammad. Praise Harriet Tubman. Glory to Ida B. Wild and Long Little Spirit. Assistant Fanny Lou Haynes. Be before all the end. Crack in the trail. House nigga, too. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.